President Miner, the recording is now on. It is 2.26 p.m. Thank you. We apologize for the delay in getting started. I'm using my gavel to call to order this regular meeting of the San Francisco Civil Service Commission on Monday, June 5, 2023 at 2.27 p.m. Our staff will read a statement with more information about our meeting today. Thereafter, staff will tell us how we're handling the public. This Monday. June 5th, 2023 at 2 p.m. Oh, wait, Mike. Oh, she's muted. Should I have this one off? Yeah. Oh, that's off. Just oh, I think perennially is being held in hybrid format with the meeting occurring in person in City Hall room 400 and available to view on WebEx if you have an item scheduled on the agenda. The public may listen to the meeting by calling 415-655-0001 and using access code 2599-600-1034 followed by password 27230. We welcome the public's participation during public comment periods. There will be an opportunity for general public comment on items not on the agenda at the beginning of the meeting, and there will be an opportunity to comment on each discussion or action item on the agenda. Each comment is limited to three minutes. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely by video or call-in. For each item, the commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person and then from people attending the meeting remotely. Commission staff will provide further instructions on how to provide public comment via phone or video. If you need assistance accessing the meeting virtually, please call 628-652-1100. Please note that city policies, along with federal, state, and local law, prohibit discriminatory or harassing conduct against city employees or others during public meeting and will not be tolerated. Moreover, public comment is permitted only on matters within the jurisdiction of this meeting body. Commission staff will now provide further instructions on making public comment, comment remotely. As stated on our agenda and our website, this meeting is being held in hybrid mode. For members who wish to listen and to make public comment, the phone number is 415-655-0001. The meeting ID code is 2599-600-1034. Please make sure that you're in a quiet location and that you turn off any television or radio to reduce reverberation so the commission can hear you. At the appropriate time, the president will ask for the phone lines to be open. If you wish to comment on the particular item, you will be prompted to press star three. This will add you to the speaker line. The auto prompt will say that callers are entering question and answer time, but this is the public comment period. You will be queued up in the order in which you press star three. There will be an automated voice that will tell you when it is your turn to speak. When your microphone has been unmuted, you will hear us ask you to state your name and to make your comments. 
Commission staff will start your three minutes when you begin talking. When it's your time, when your time is up, I will say thank you. Next caller, please. At this point, the moderator will put you back on mute. Uh, thank you, Executive Officer. We're ready for the first agenda item. Item number one, call to order and roll call. President Minor Here. Vice President Favetti? Here. Commissioner Chan? Here. Commissioner Crawley? Present. Commissioner Salveson? Here. And we have a quorum. Thank you. We're ready for the next agenda item. Item two, request to speak on any matter within the jurisdiction of the Civil Service Commission, but not appearing on today's agenda. Members of the public and stakeholders, this is your opportunity to address the commission on any matter within the jurisdiction of the commission not appearing on today's agenda. If you have a public, if you have public comment and if you're in the room, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three. We will start with uh, speakers in the room and you have three minutes. Thank you. My name is Heather Rudolph. I work at Laguna Honda Rehab Hospital. Thank you to the commission for providing me a forum to express a concern related to my experience with fair and equal hiring practices. As a city employee since 2008, I applied for the vacancy San Francisco Health Network Director of Integrated Rehab Services, a class, classification 0932 manager four. The posting opened on December 1st and closed on December 9th, 2022. After taking the management test battery and adding tenure points, I ranked number one on the eligible list. I was not afforded the opportunity to interview for this position as only an application review was performed. There was no follow-up regarding the selection process prior to the announcement of the chosen outside candidate on May 14th, 2023. As a highly qualified applicant, highlights from my application include practicing as a physical therapist for over 22 years, 15 of which are within the city at Laguna Honda Rehab Hospital. I have worked globally for the world-renowned Médecins Sans Frontières or Doctors Without Borders in Jordan and in Haiti. Within the city, I have excelled as a senior physical therapist in a leadership role for the past eight years four of which I received a differential to work above my classification. This meant earning performance appraisal goals, which included integrated activities that were specific to the San Francisco Health Network director position and the executive administrator role just superior to that. My performance appraisals were rated as exceeds expectations for the last consecutive, for the many consecutive years. Further, I've been an employee of the month three times over my city career. And finally, I'm currently in the emerging city leaders spring cohort. My concern for the civil service commission to consider is, what is the point of scoring well on a management test battery? What is the point of receiving tenure points as an experienced city employee? What is the point of ranking in the top three or on an eligible list? What is, the, what is the point of ranking the candidates at all? What does it take for a highly qualified internal candidate to be promoted into this vacancy? What is the message the city is sending that reinforces employee value and retention? A, general, a generalized application review lacks comprehensive scope 
or consider of consideration and does not give city employees the opportunity to develop, advance, or excel with valuable historic knowledge. Thank you for your kind attention. Thank you for your comments. Any additional public speakers? President Minor, no public comment at this time or speakers. Okay. Uh, we are ready for the next agenda item. Item three, approval of minutes, regular meeting of May 15, 2023. Recommendation, adopt the minutes. Uh, commissioners, we have before us the minutes of our meeting of uh, May 15, 2023. Are there any edits um, or changes? If not, we will take a motion to approve. I move adoption of the minutes. Second. We have a motion and a second to adopt the minutes. Uh, if you are in the room and have public comment on the pending motion, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. Commissioners, the roll call vote to approve the minutes of our meeting of May 15, 2023. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Snobison. Aye. And I vote aye. We have approved our minutes of uh, May 15, 2023. Thank you. We are ready for the next agenda item. Item four, announcements, announcements of changes to the agenda and other announcements. Commissioners, I have um, three announcements. The first two are requests for postponements. We have item number 12, appeal by youth Augustine of rejection of their application for the 2918 Human Services Agency social worker. The appellant has requested postponement. Item 13, appeal by Neil Weingarten of the Director of Transportation's determination to administratively close appellant's complaints of harassment and discrimination. The appellant and the representative have also requested postponement. Um, the third announcement, um, because we are waiting for um, a department to uh, be present at this meeting, I am asking if we can wait to hold the third announcement until the department is present. Certainly. Thank you. And then that concludes uh, agenda item four. Uh, pending arrival of the department. Okay. Um, um we are ready for the next agenda item. Item five, election of officers, recommendation open for discussion. Okay. Uh, commissioners, it is that time of the year again. Agenda item number five, election of officers, meaning the president, vice president for the 23-24 fiscal year. Uh, we are open for nominations. Don't everybody rush. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Salveson. Uh, 
I move the nomination of uh, Vice President Fervetti to oh. President. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to move, we moved President uh, Jacqueline Minor for another year for the continuation of our discussions on civil mm. service. Mm. <laughs> Oh, I, but I'm very honored for you to have this. I was going to nominate Vice President as Commissioner Salveson. Is that a motion from Vice President Favetti? Well, on uh, the current well, we had one more. I guess we have. Um, oh, thank you. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Crawley, you're, you're lit up. Oh, I am oh. lit up. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even drink. <laughs> Uh, I move the nomination oh. of the team of our current president, Jacqueline Minor, and Vice President Kay Favetti. Second. Okay. Uh, commissioners, um, the, the caveat that I would like to add is that um, because of work we have um, looking at processes and procedures. Uh, I am honored to continue one additional year. Uh, this will be my last year. Um, and uh, so um, we have a motion and a second to um, nominating uh, Karen president for an additional term. Uh, if you are in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay, thank you. Uh, Commissioner Soroll call vote on agenda item number five, the election of president. President uh, Minor, I'm so sorry to interrupt. Someone did raise their hand right now. So, um, okay. I'll unmute the caller now. Caller, you're unmuted. Please state and spell your name for the record. Hi, uh, my name is Cheryl Thornton, C H E R Y L, last name Thornton, T H O R N T O N. And um, well, okay, congratulations to President Minor for an additional term. But what I would like to say is that just like the previous, uh, on the previous matter, several city employees keep, continue to call here to the Civil Service Commission about fairness in the workplace around opportunities. And it's just like we're speaking to the wall because there's no changes. And really, honestly, if you guys are taking on these public servant um, commission seats, you need to hear from the employees the fact that we are scoring number one on tests or not getting evaluations. None of this stuff is being addressed. It's just we're coming here to the commission, talking to the wall. So I would like to see some changes go on here. Because, I mean, you guys just getting back in these seats over and over again and actually just rubber stamping what is going what the department heads or um directors tell you to rubber stamp is just you know it's it's just not it's completely ludicrous 
So we need some changes here at the Civil Service Commission. So thank you. Yeah, uh, employee Thornton, thank you for your comments. And we do take this all very seriously and appreciate your continuing um, oversight and advocacy. Any additional public comment? No further public comment at this time, President Minor. Okay, the motion before us is election of president for the next fiscal year. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. Commissioner Crowley. Aye. Commissioner Sanderson. And I think I'm expected to abstain. Okay, so we have uh, uh, elected uh, the current president, President Minor, as uh, president for an additional fiscal year 23-24. Uh, commissioners, thank you. I appreciate your vote of confidence. And we are ready for the election of vice president. And um, the motion, oh, do, can we do them together? Is that okay? I think you can, but you only opened up public comment with respect to the president. Right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so public comment on the election of our vice on, on the nomination of our vice president for fiscal year 23 and that's vice president Favetti. Right. Uh, yes, and I wanted to thank Commissioner Salveson for her. Um, her, her faith in me to be possibly president. But I am very, very glad to be vice president <laughs> very much and I am very honored. <laughs> Okay, Elizabeth, any additional public comment? President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay, and just to be cautious, I, I'll do a second roll call vote. Uh, Vice, uh, Vice President Favetti? Aye. Uh, Commissioner Chan? Aye. Commissioner Crowley? Aye. Commissioner Safferson? Aye. And I vote aye. Oh, I, we, I we have. Aye. We have elected uh, our vice president for the 23-24 fiscal year. Commissioners, thank you. We are ready for the next agenda item. We are on the commendations agenda item six, commendation for Jeff Lindner, senior employee, assistant counselor, health service system for his dedicated service to the city and county of San Francisco. Recommendation, accept the commendation. Thank you. Is uh, Jeff Littner, please come forward. Hello there. Thank you. And thank, thank you for being here and congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lavina, uh, our deputy director has an accommodation that we'd like to read and present to you. Thank you. By the City and County of San Francisco and Civil Service Commission, commendation presented to Jeff Lintner, Senior Employee Assistance Counselor, Health Service System, in recognition and in honor of your 31 years of dedicated and outstanding public service and invaluable contributions to the City and County of San Francisco as an Employee Assistance Counselor with the Department of Public Health and the Senior Employee Assistance Counselor with the Health Service System 
and in honor of your distinguished performance in the public service to the citizens of San Francisco. The Civil Service Commission extends its heartfelt wishes for the fullest measure of good health, happiness, and prosperity in your retirement. Adopted June 5th, 2023, and signed by Sandra Ng, Executive Officer. Well, thank you, Commissioners. Thank you, Vienna. I appreciate all this. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just to take a quick minute and just to say that, you know, I have been proud to be a city employee. It's been a long time, right? Over 30 years. And I've had a modest goal during all that time. If I could make my coworkers, and I mean any employee across the city system that I had interacted with, if I could make their work life a little better, if I could make their home life a little better, then I've accomplished my goal. Yeah? Then I felt good about that. And so, I appreciate the recognition. It's certainly very thoughtful of you all to provide this. Thank you so much. I know that you guys are working on behalf of the city employees as well. And I just want to say that I recognize that and that that is appreciated also. So again, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you and congratulations. Um, Vice President. Vice President Favetti. I just wanted to add that, you know, the city really thanks you for your service because, as we know, um, employee assistance always hasn't been well funded. And the struggles trying to even exist were uh, extraordinary in those years, in the, particularly in the 80s and before, uh, and probably the early 90s too. So to have continued uh, to have provided excellent service. We are really in your debt and thank you so very much. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, any additional comments? Otherwise, we'll take a motion and a second to approve the uh, commendation. So moved. And I'll second it. We have a motion and a second to approve the accommodation for Jeff Lettner. If you are in the room and you have public comment, please come to, to the podium. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, the roll call vote to approve the commendation for Jeff Lintner. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We have approved the accommodation. Thank you. Good luck. And thank you for being here today. Executive officer, we're ready for the next agenda item. Item 7, human resources directors report meeting with labor on the proposed amendments to civil service commission rule series 002 definition 005 meetings and hearings of the commission 10 examination announcements and applicants 11 examinations 11 a position based testing 12 eligible lists. Series 13, Certification of Eligibles, Volumes 1 through 4, Discussion Only Item. Director Eisen. 
thank you, President Minor, members of the commission. Um, I have a few items to report on. Uh, the first is the uh, item that's listed in your agenda. You, as I reported at the last meeting, um, you have received a written report um, from our employee relations division um, notifying you that uh, negotiations have been completed on the rule changes that this commission was seeking. Happy to answer any questions you might have about that. Um, we reviewed that in my last report. And again, if once you've read the report, if you have any issues, I'm happy to answer them. Um, I wanted to talk about two other matters um, that uh, we've mentioned to the commission, um, but we want to give you an update. Um, we have made significant progress in our campaign, really, to use um, on-demand continuous class-based testing. We have um, just adopted the list for the 1820 junior administrative analyst classification. We have 965 eligible candidates. We uh, changed the MQs, as I reported to you at our last meeting, to require either a college degree in any subject or an AA degree with work experience. That has uh, generated a much larger pool, and applicants were able to take the exam um, at their own time, um, in their own space, and at their own computer. So that's a huge uh, milestone for us to have done this and to be able to have that pool. We have a large number of vacancies. Uh, so DHR is going to lead a citywide post-referral selection process, working with approximately 11 departments to fill the positions. So we're going to have a coordinated effort on um, making our selections from that list. And I'll keep the commission posted with how that goes. This is also will be a trial for us. Um, with respect to the 1822 administrative analyst classification, um, we are projecting that we will adopt the first list within the next two weeks. We have over 500 eligible, eligible um, poised to be on that list, and there could be more um, by the time we adopt it. And Finally, we are moving forward um, with our 1241 and 1244, the personnel analyst series. We're intending to use similar methods to make sure that we have a robust pool and a organized um, and comprehensive post-referral selection process. We have uh, multiple vacant positions and great need across the whole city. Um, the um, online on-demand uh, examination was launched today. Um, so we'll be uh, able to report on our progress at the next meeting. So I wanted to make sure the commission knew that and it was um, the uh, our discussions with the Service Employees International Union. I believe they're still present in the room today and their authorization that we proceed with um, uh, rule of the list selection procedures that have made this possible. We can't do, we cannot uh, conduct uh, this type of examination without that ability to be able to use that certification rule. So I just wanted to thank them and to make sure the commission knew that we're moving right along. Um, and uh, finally, the exempt to permanent um, process used under the now expired mayor's emergency order. 
um, has proven to be extremely popular. Uh, I get more questions about this than um, on any topic asking, can we keep doing that? And the answer, of course, is not under our existing rules. That was done under emergency uh, authorization, but uh, in and of itself was very successful. We have, um, uh, looks like about close to 600 anticipate either completed or anticipated transitions from uh, category 18 appointments to permanent civil service. Um, becoming permanent is a goal of many employees um, who are here in the city and uh, wanting to uh, gain that stability in their careers. And uh, it is our goal at DHR to make that as seamless as we can. Um, and this is what our uh, continuous class-based testing and other techniques that we're trying to use to make that possible. So I want to thank the commission for your support in those efforts. And as I said, we will continue to provide you with updates. So thank you. Thank you, Director Eisen. Uh, commissioners, questions for Director Eisen, Vice President Favetti. Yes, kudos on the uh, the online on-demand testing and the list. And I like the idea that you're going to be coordinating the higher city wide. That's going to be that should streamline the process a bit, right? Okay. Yes. Gither is. I thought that they really enjoy. Well, <laughs> I, a lot of, <laughs> enjoyed. Well, okay. It's not a romance novel, I guess, but I really like the question and answer component of your of your uh, report here. And I was thinking to myself, it might be nice to have this as either a part of a publication that goes out with the adoption of the rule. Um, and that was the next question. What is our official date for the adoption of the rule? So that's the one question it has one the official date, but also if we could have this question and answer, I think it would be very, very useful for people and educational as far as when we do send out a. The final 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 version, or if we even post it or something. I'm looking at some our... people, some people like like to read fiction. I like to read. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at our lead negotiator, Claire McCabe to see if she would like to comment on that. Um... Hi, Claire McCaleb. Um, I'm with the Employee Relations Division. So those post-meeting memos went to the unions who we met with individually, but it didn't go out to all of labor. So that was my kind of like, I'm not sure about publishing it um, for everyone to read. Um, it's because it's documenting the discussions we had with them, which we generally consider to be confidential. Okay, well then what I'm talking about, these are commonly asked, how, you know, if you, you have FAQs all over the place and these are these could put, be put into an objective document. I can't see any reason why not an objective document that doesn't reflect a particular union or not. It says frequently questions ask questions. Uh, and I just, you know, there's so many things that people ask, you know, and so it's nice to have some kind of reference to it, whether it's on the civil service commission website, if it's in an advisor, if it's attached to uh, a rule, whatever. Uh, not necessarily associating it with the document and if the fact that it's here in the, um, it's here in the public domain here, it's not exactly confidential. I mean, okay. and, and I'm not, I'm just thinking there might be somebody else who likes to read, you know, frequently asked questions, um, or whatever, that's a good point that's on, on civil service rules. <laughs> There's that. And then, then, of course, I just also need to know what the official posting of the uh, date of posting. It's the other. Thank, thank so, you, Commissioner, for your question. Okay. <laughs> um, Executive Officer, you have a comment about the posting? 
Right. Um, this was only a summary. This is not the official requesting mm -hmm. commission approval for adoption, but we can place this on the next agenda. If there are no questions that this be placed on the agenda for adoption and then the commission can take action. Okay. Good. Uh, any additional uh, questions for uh, director Eisen? Okay, we will take uh, public comment on Director Eisen's report to the commission. If you're in the room and you have public comment, please come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three now. Hello, good afternoon, uh, Jesse Stanton. I'm an employee of San Francisco Human Service Agency and a rank and file member of SEAU 10 to 1 and a shop steward. Um, thanks for having me today. Um, I'm given a, a similar version of this comment uh, uh, last meeting of this body when the director announced, uh, when the uh, uh, director Eisen announced the um, uh, success with the continuous testing and, the, and the, the going forward with the adoption of the 1820 list. And at that time, she mentioned that they were going to proceed, that the uh, Department of Human Resources would proceed without the de-identification uh, element in that. And uh, I expressed concern there, um, and I'd just like to reiterate that same concern. I think in the discussions with SEIU 10 to 1 the, uh, around continuous testing and use of rule of the list, I think that those discussions were really on those two elements, on continuous testing and rule of the list, and that the uh, abandonment of de-identification was sort of a, a curveball that we got at this meeting last, last time. Um, it, I, I characterized Proceeding with a uh, recruitment, a citywide recruitment um, of a large number of candidates as, uh, without using, using rule of the list and without using de-identification, I, I characterize that as an invitation to explicit bias. And I contend that uh, that characterization is apt. This is an invitation to explicit bias. I'm really glad to hear that the department will be hand-in-hand uh, -hand with the, uh, the Department of Human Resources, will be hand-in-hand -hand with the uh, uh, city departments uh, throughout the post-referral process. But um, out of 965 candidates, I, I just can't see the, the need I don't, I, to do a merit-based selection out of 965 people. It seems like this is a perfect case for de-identification. This is when de-identification would be a really a great tool because you have such a large body of qualified candidates. And, um, you know, if a, if a manager or a person took it in their head to uh, exhibit explicit bias, a list of 965 people, they could probably do that pretty well. So again, I don't see the value. I don't, I don't see the need and I don't think any, any value was expressed to SEIU 10 to 1 during the discussions. And I feel like there's a, a, a just a looming danger of this invitation to explicit bias. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Any additional public comment? This is public comment on Director Eisen's report. Elizabeth, any public comment on the telephone? Uh, President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay, uh, thank you. So we will move to uh, the next agenda item uh, with the understanding that the final rules will be on the next agenda for approval. Um, yes, correct. We're ready for the next agenda item. Item 8, Executive Officer's Report, Processing and Scheduling of Appeals Before the Civil Service Commission. The recommendation is to postpone to the meeting of July 17, 2023. 
Would you like me to move now to the ratification agenda? Um, yes, we were, you had another announcement to make. You were waiting for another department, our department to arrive. Right, the department representative is on their way. Oh, they're still on their way. They're okay. just having some difficulty getting over here. Okay. All right. So we're ready for the next agenda item. We are now on the ratification agenda. All matters on the ratification agenda are considered by the Civil Service Commission to be non-contested and will be acted upon by a single vote of the commission. There will be no separate discussion on these items unless a request is made, in which event the matter shall be removed from the ratification agenda and considered as a separate item. Item 9, review of requests of approval of proposed personal service contracts, recommendation of the human resources director, adopt the report, approve the request for proposed personal services contracts, notify the office of the controller and the office of contract administration. Okay, uh, commissioners, please let me know if there are any items that you would like to be pulled for further discussion from uh, the ratification agenda, agenda item number nine. Vice President Favetti. None at this point. Uh, Commissioner Chan? None. Commissioner Crawley? None. Commissioner Salveson? None. And I have none. We are ready for a motion and a second to approve the ratification agenda. So moved. Second. We have a motion and a second to approve the ratification agenda. If you're in the room and you have public comment, please come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Thank you. The roll call vote to approve the ratification agenda. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Snavison. Aye. Now I vote aye. We have approved the ratification agenda. Thank you. And department representatives, thank you for being available. We are ready for the next agenda item. We are now on the regular agenda. Item 10, review of personal services contract number 40941-2223 from the Department of Public Health. Omit posting, recommendation, adopt the report. Okay, and who is with us from uh, DPH? Good afternoon, commissioners. Bojin Sangha from the Department of Public Health. Uh, thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, we are ready for your presentation. Fantastic. Uh, and I'm going to try to start turning my camera on for a moment. There's perfect. Good afternoon, Commissioner. So um, before you today uh, is uh, a mid posting here on agenda item number 10 uh, around specialized consulting services for long term care facilities. So I'll give you a kind of a quick once over, but certainly welcome any questions if there's anything additional you'd like to have um, clarified. So what's before you is a request for specialized consulting services for long term care facilities. What this um, represents and why this is in front of you today is because a recent plan of correction was accepted by regulators um, on May 18th, 2023, and the regulators presented its acceptance via formalized notification from the United States. Secretary of Health and Human Services Office, Xavier Becerra, as well as from the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, where they indicated that a plan of correction that was put forth by Laguna Honda Hospital to ensure that the recertification path that Laguna Honda is on to be recertified back with the CMS 
provider participation program prior to September 19th, 2023, has to move forward. Now, the consultant services that this represents are necessary to complete all the required steps to obtain recertification that, that we've been working on for the past year plus. To describe a little about that is it includes subject matter expertise from individuals who are specialized and have regulatory uh, expertise around skilled nursing facility regulations. Um, they are providing consulting services to uh, Department of Public Health um, that allows uh, us to beef up and really learn ourselves how to uh, ensure our nursing home administrator, our directors of nursing, um, our infection prevention teams, our quality assurance and performance improvement teams, um, and the team is working on a closure plan, which we never hope to implement, but we have to prepare as a result of the decertification, are all included best practices, and they are based on the guidelines. Guidelines which, uh, because they were not met back in April 2022, which led to decertification. Also part of this expertise is they are supporting us as the Luna Honda is looking to hire permanent civil service positions and uh, city classifications to fill the leadership vacancies that currently exist at at Honda. Finally, the one of the key components of this particular piece in front of you today is that um, it includes uh, support to assess the day-to-day -day staff activities that identify areas for improvement uh, on the 13 nurse units so that consistent care is now provided in alignment with the variety of improvement efforts that have been put in place for the last 14 months or so. Some examples are related to uh, wound care, uh, the way that restraints are used and categorized, uh, the way that we do individualized care plans. So, so that's really um, ideally the driver was the letter from, um, from the federal government CMS um, requiring us to make sure a plan of correction is in place by September um, as soon as possible so we can recertify prior to September 19th. What I just described to you were some of the examples of some of the work that the individuals um, and what this, this contract would, uh, would, would represent. Um, and finally, just to uh, reiterate that it's just individuals that are going to be coming forth as part of this have direct clinical experience to provide that subject matter expertise to help us navigate in these clinical settings um, as the regulators are coming in to, to survey us. So um, I will stop there. It's kind of a lot of stuff, um, but I would be happy to dig in on something with further depth. I'm happy to um, pull back if there's something that needs more simplification, but uh, I, I will pause and, and yield my time back to uh, back to the commission. Okay, uh, thank you for the presentation, commissioners. Any questions or comments on uh, PSC four zero nine four one? If not, we'll take a motion and a second to um, approve the PSC. I move to adopt the report. Second. We have a motion and a second to approve the PSC, adopting the report. If you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium now. If you're on the telephone, please press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. Commissioners, the roll call vote to um, on the motion to approve 40941 and adopt the report, Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. Commissioner Crowley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We have unanimously adopted the report and approved the PSC. Uh, thank you and good luck with the recertification. It's very important for the city.
Thank you. Thank you, Commissioners. Bye-bye. We are ready for the next agenda item. Item 11, appeal by Albert K. Lamb of rejection of their application for the 6130 safety analyst examination, recommendation of the human resources director, deny the appeal and adopt the report of the city administrator human resources. Okay, is appellant Lamb with us? He's muted. Sorry about that. I'm present. I'm here. Okay, good. Thank you for being here. Uh, the process that will follow is that we'll first hear from uh, DHR being represented by assistant director Johnson, and then we'll hear from you and the uh, commissioners can then address questions to both the department as well as to you. And I'll be calling you appellant lamb. Okay. Okay. All good. right. Thank you. Assistant Director Johnson. Good afternoon, commissioners. As indicated by President Minor, I am Dave Johnson, Assistant Director of Recruitment and Selection at Department of Human Resources. I would like to, for the record, correct the recommendation should say the Director of Human Resources as opposed to the City Administrator. My mistake, I left that on a Form 22. Now, with regard to the appeal, uh, as indicated in the staff report, the requirements are a degree in safety. There's a number of different aspects of safety that we're looking for. Mr. Lamb's degree is in political sciences with an emphasis in environmental sciences. And he cites a connection with statistics, which is a small part of the program. We don't feel that that's sufficient to qualify as a degree in safety. And we're also concerned um, with our preliminary screening. One of the things we look at is do we think this will pass muster if and when the person gets to a job offer? Because that's the point at which they have to say, okay, here's the documentation that I have. And we're very sensitive to setting people up for failure if it's something we don't think qualifies. So I'd be happy to answer any questions. Okay, so let's hear from appellate uh, Lamb and then we'll come back to you, uh, Director Johnson. Um, Appellate Lamb, we're ready to hear your uh, your statement. Thank you. Thank you all for uh, your time. And um, I appreciate this forum where I can uh, state my case. I, I just wanted to say that in short, I applied for the 6130 safety analyst position for the SFMTA. I've worked for this system safety division for approximately six years and due to attrition and lack of staff, I have worked closely with the industrial safety division providing assistance as needed and performing duties for them um, that's outside of my current class. I was encouraged by the manager to apply for the position, but my resume was denied and I was not even allowed to test for the position. When, inquire, when I inquired to their reasoning, they stated that I did not have the proper degree requirement. Uh, the posting did state that work experience would count and I have direct experience with the department that is hiring and I have the endorsement of the manager himself. In regards to the claim that my degree lacks relevance, I would actually disagree and I'd say that the position requires someone with an understanding of safety policy and procedure and with my degree in political sciences and my emphasis in environmental sciences, I, I think that's the exact background for someone who needs to be able to interpret and implement safety policies and procedures. Uh, that's all. 
Okay, uh, hold on. There may be some questions for you. Uh, commissioners questions for the appellant or the department. Vice President Favetti. Uh, I was wondering if I, uh, the uh, appellant Lam mentions his experience in industrial safety. I, I, hear, I hear loud and clear that the the degree requirement is or his his degree is substantially different from the degree requirement there. But there's a five years of industrial safety experience. Can you distinguish? Is there a distinguishing factors between? Industrial safety uh, and the experience that's required here. Uh, I noticed in the staff report that we alluded to that the experience was not qualifying. I don't necessarily agree with that on second review. Oh, I think the experience that he cites does line up to a large degree with what's in the class spec for the position. Unfortunately, there's no substitution in the class spec of experience for education. And and that. I have to trust the subject matter experts that developed the class specification back whenever it was developed that it was necessary to have that degree because there is no substitution of experience for education. Okay, and there was no appeal on the exam announced itself. Correct. Okay. Ah, that answers the question. Yeah. Well, could I make a, a rebuttal? statement, I guess, or I don't know what the yes, term is. But. Yes, you, you may answer the question as well. Yeah, so to the point of um, the gentleman's uh, trust in the subject matter experts, I, I'd argue that if the manager of the division that's hiring counts as a subject matter expert, I, I would think that his endorsement would would should be sufficient in terms of um, my consideration for the position. Or, I mean, I mean, granted, it, it's not even, you know, to get the position. It's just for the opportunity to test for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, we understand. Um, any additional uh, questions or comments, uh, commissioners? Commission Commissioner Salveson. I guess my question would be whether you know whether the department or either the MTA or THR is considering um, reevaluating the education uh, requirement for this position? I, I do not know that. Um, and I don't know that this is a hard to fill position. Generally, if we're having difficulty recruiting, we take a very quick look, a close look at the qualifications to see if they're actually in line with reality. And I don't have any statistics on this on class to suggest whether it is or is not applicable in this case. Mm -hmm. uh, commissioners, any additional questions or comments? Just the length, or excuse me, the and the length of the eligible list is going to be 12, 14, or 12, 24 months or what? It'd be minimum of 12. I'm not positive exactly the length of the eligible list. Okay, and you're saying that this is not a uh, frequently vacant position, or do you know at this point? I, I don't know. Can I add one more thing? I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I, I just wanted to add that uh, in terms of my endorsement from the manager, uh, just to be clear, it's, it's not just some sort of verbal endorsement. He, he did write a letter to that effect. 
uh, that I passed over to um, their department when I made my first appeal. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Crawley. Same conditions. I don't have those statistics in front of me. Thank you. Follow up at this time to uh, Appellate Lamb. Um, when did you first come in contact with knowing what the testing uh, mechanism was for education? When did you first learn that? You've been at the job now for a while. Um, you knew the requirements. Was there nothing available at night school that you could follow up with to get those certifications? Um, I wasn't made aware of any certifications. Uh, I, well, no, that's not true. Uh, when I spoke to the manager about it, he did provide me with some resources informing me of certain classes that I could take. And I did take those classes and I did get some certification. So, um, I, and I submitted that to them when I submitted my resume. Well. Okay, thank you, Appellate Lamb. Mm -hmm. uh, Vice President Favetti. This is just a comment and um, in consideration, uh, there was no appeal on the exam announcements. And so technically speaking at this point, if a, an appeal, it's, it, this is just where I'm working at this point. If, for example, um, this appeal is granted, it seems to me we would have to, and maybe confirmation from Mr. Johnson, we would have to then reopen the entire exam Reevaluate the minimum qualifications and re it it would not be something um, for example and for example if this would be this would require going back to square square one yes if we if we do something to change the minimum qualifications we basically start from square one because people would or would not have applied based on what they're seeing in those mqs mm -hmm case okay so uh commissioners i think we're ready for a motion and a second uh i uh, i would like to say to mr lamb i hope that you um understand that in the future that if there is an issue with regard to the examination announcement that you have the ability to to uh, appeal that and have that consideration um at that point in time however at this point based on this Circumstances that are being presented and the report, um, I would be uh, 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 moving to deny the appeal and adopt the report of the human resources director. Okay. Uh, commissioners, is there a second? Second. Okay. Um, Appellant Lamb, I want to confirm that you understood what Vice President Favetti just said, which is that the appeal needs to come with the job announcement at that stage um i i, I understand what you're saying or, or what what was presented and I'd, oh. I'd like to clarify i did make an appeal um you know well initially when when i was first informed that my uh, application would not be uh accepted yes okay 
Um, we have a motion in the second to um, accept the report, thereby denying the appeal. If you're in the room and you have public comment, please come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now. <laughs> President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay, thank you. Commissioners, the roll call vote on the pending motion to accept the report, thereby denying the appeal of Appellant Lamb. Uh, Vice President Favetti? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. Commissioner Crowley? No. Uh, Commissioner Salveson? Aye. And I vote aye. We have uh, voted by four to one uh, to accept the report, thereby denying the appeal. Uh, Appellant Lamb, please uh, thank you for uh, coming forward and please note the comments that you've heard today about at what stage you must file an objection. Okay, thank you. And um, we are ready for the next agenda item. Commissioners, I believe I may be making the third announcement. I just wanted to make sure that our MTA representative is here. Rashid, if you'd like to please come up. Commissioners, at this time, the third announcement um, was to take a moment of time to think about a former colleague who has recently passed away. This is Margot Reed. Margot Reed, just to give you some background, um, uh, is, was currently employed uh, at the Municipal Transportation Agency. She oversaw the apprenticeship program. To give you some background, she was also previously with the Department of Human Resources. Uh, also extensive work uh, overseeing the apprenticeship program, working with the uh, unions. She was before that a human resources analyst. And before that, when the commission first met with Margo, she was an SEIU representative, uh, very, uh, strong and forceful in supporting their employees. And um, MTA would also, uh, we have Rashid here who would like to give some moments to share some thoughts. And then we also have Carol Eisen, myself and Lavina, my deputy here, who would like to share some thoughts on Margo. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. I had such a plan to have some written comments down and the whole speech and walked out my house without it. But what I wanted to say uh, this afternoon was in remembering Margot Reed on behalf of the city and county of San Francisco, specifically SFMTA, it's important that I want to put on record sort of the enormous um, change agent that she was quietly and publicly. Um, throughout her 30 plus years in the city, and she probably would claim 40 or 50, depending on how she sees the story. Many of you who know her, um, was a hard charging person around what we consider to be fairness and inclusion. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to just even think about what you just had to rule on a few minutes ago in terms of how inclusion happens and how belonging happens for employees and our need to actually have a very thoughtful approach that when we do class specifications and all the different things that you refer to, that we make sure that we do our best by our employees that they can see a pathway to progression in their career. Um, when I think about Margo's role at SFMTA, 
which is basically the manager of apprenticeship, pre-apprenticeship, internship, on-the-job training programs, and the conscience of actually thinking about how we do youth engagement and community engagement on behalf of SFMTA's workforce development team. Um, I think about sort of the conscience in terms of what was so important for us and what we talk about as a city when it comes to this DEI initiatives that we refer to. Um, I forgot to say my name, I'm Rashid Hurt, Workforce Development Director for SFMTA. What I would say is, is that when we think about our charge or our responsibilities, it is important that we remember that as a city agency, and one of the things that my parents always reminded me of was that public service was not only for pay, but it was really about actually being an opportunity even for people in employment. So when we do government well, we actually are making sure that the communities to which we serve also see us, a see us as a destination for employment also. Um, when we work for the least of us, we're working for the most of us really in the scheme of things. And so in all of the things I had to present here, and I'm losing a lot of those, what I did want to remind um, you all of and also present to this particular body was that in terms of apprenticeship for the city and county of San Francisco, Margaret Reed woke up every day working every phone that I could think of, did not know that she always had another thing that she was working on, and basically dedicated her service to the youth of all the communities of the city and county of San Francisco. More recently, one of our, I believe, first maintenance deputy directors that happens to be a black man from Double Rock, San Francisco, actually met Margo when she was doing Gilman Park youth programs. And he's now the deputy director of maintenance for SFMTA. And he came through apprenticeship and pre-apprenticeship programs, both he and his brother. So when you think about the careers of not only her, but the people who came past her and sort of the enormous impact that she had on them. And even for me as a leader in the agency, I wanna just lift up how important it is that we champion our employees and make sure that we have opportunities when we're talking about inclusion, we're talking about classifications, we're talking about education. Are we thinking the widest breadth possible for people to be able to get into the door to compete for the opportunities that we keep on presenting to them? Um, one of the last pieces of requests in my thought process around her, of course, is to remember her daughter. Remember that, unfortunately, she did pass away on the job actually at an interview panel for one of my teams at the moment in time. So her dedication was all the way through the last moments of her breath, which is really a humbling thing to say, but also part of the challenge that we have when it comes to uh, work-life balance and thinking about all the things when it comes to how people are internalizing the work that they do. Um, finally, I wanted to formally request, and I'm going to be sending a request to um, HR Director Eisen, as well as my department, that I wanted the city to consider renaming the citywide apprenticeship program after Margot Reed. Um, for all of the dedication of starting that program from womb to where we're trying to get it to, I think it would be the most appropriate thing that we can do on behalf of the city. It's great to have commendation and street signs, but I think a Margot Y. Reed citywide apprenticeship label would really be a dedication to our service over the 30 years that she's done here, but also for all the youth that have come through and even the employees who are looking at ways to transition from whatever their career is today to whatever the career they hope to be in trades later. So thank you for allowing me to speak for a few minutes. 
um, your consideration. And it was an honor to be humbly here to actually speak on her behalf or speak on behalf of the subject matter. But I do want to also share that I spoke with her daughter. And normally when we make a request like that, we always ask the family, is that something that you would support? And her daughter expressed to me that she absolutely would support the renaming of a program like that, because that was one of the things that her mother always talked about as a legacy item that she wanted to leave with the city. So thank you for the few minutes that you've given me. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here uh, with us today and talking about uh, Ms. Reed and her exceptional work for the city. So we have some additional comments from our executive officer, from Director Eisen, from our deputy director. Okay. Let me make sure my mic is on and I will turn on my video also. Uh, uh, President Minor. Uh, thank you, President Minor, members of the commission, and uh, to Mr. Hurd and everybody who's listening. Um, I would just uh we're all still a little stunned and saddened about Margot and her pa sudden passing and especially at work um so uh last week a number of us went to her um funeral service in Oakland starting at her uh church i guess that she grew up in as a kid and went to elementary school there at Sacred Heart and the services that were led by her pastor and the what uh, my my takeaway from the day was that it was really a call to action uh, as much as a morning. And perhaps uh, Rashid had that same takeaway based on uh, his thought process here about renaming the apprenticeship program. Uh, Margot, I, um, former director of DHR, Mickey Callahan, was also president. She and I had a chance to talk. And uh, Margot was our coworker. Um, and so we were talking about, you know, how she, when she moved from SEIU, we all knew her as an SEIU representative going back many years. And uh, our children actually happened to be friends in middle school. So I had a number of connections to Margot. And so uh, we were talking about when she went from the union to become a city employee. And uh, Mickey told me that it was never, uh, DHR hadn't conceived of starting a coordinated apprenticeship consolidated apprenticeship program within DHR. It was really Margo's idea from the beginning and her proposal that she wanted to come into the central uh, personnel agency and to create such a program. And that's exactly what she did. Uh, she was a force of nature. Um, she had some, after a lot of hard work, some great early success um, uh, with the machinist union. We had a multi-agency effort um, that is still around today. Um, and at her funeral, one of the people who spoke was uh, uh, now a city employee who's a full journey person machinist. And he described his journey coming up uh, through high school and some of the issues that he faced and the career challenges that he had. Um, and now uh, being a full employee at MTA, as a 
automotive uh, as a as a bus mechanic, um, and that was his, uh, the best testament to her work. And it was the call to action that we keep that work alive. So uh, we're we miss her already. Uh, it's a huge vacuum. Uh, we still have apprenticeship SF in DHR. It, we are we have been trying to rebuild. Um, to make sure that the programs that we do have in place are stable, but to expand our efforts um, into other areas. And uh, that program is now being led by Chris Reyes and um, all of us are proceeding, um, I think with renewed energy and uh, renewed sense of commitment to the work. And we have Margo to thank for that. So we're all gonna miss her. Thank you, Director Eisen. Um, Carol, I'm sure you've done great jobs. So we're talking about Margo and her contribution. So I won't go through the history. I just to share a personal story. Margo was um, just a great friend without even really knowing her. <laughs> and you felt like she was a family member just to be in her presence. But I remember when I was, um, at the port, I contacted Margot about an idea that I wanted to do an apprenticeship trades fair for uh, youth, for high school students, because I thought we really need to get more youth into the trades, more young people interested in trades. And we connected on the idea and we did a job fair at the port where we opened up uh, Pier 50 and all of the um, craft shops and they did demos. All the unions came out. Kids came out from the local high schools uh, and community college and they were able to see uh, the equipment. I remember probably about 20 kids left one in pile drivers and they didn't even know what it was before they came to the facility. So I just, we really um, just connected on that thought about youth and wanting to get them um, involved and engaged in things that they really didn't know anything about, just to think about the possibility of their future. Um, we're planning for the second event when the pandemic hit, so we didn't get to continue that effort, but I too thought, yes, we, we ought to really name the apprentice uh, program for Margot, but I I also wanted the city to and Carol continue the trade fair um, and really to get youth, the young people in the high school and community college interested and engage in the crafts. Oh, I miss Margot already. Too. Thank you, Deputy Director. Commissioners, um, um, how we uh, met Margot was as an SEIU representative, and she was consistently here for her members, our employees, consistently asking questions. And um, when we conducted investigations within the department and we had to interview employees, she would happily join uh, 
her members. So as we were asking questions, she was very excellent in making sure that her member understood why we were asking questions, what the role of the civil service commission is. She was very uh, detailed and a very strong representative uh, for our employees. And you can imagine how excited we were that once we found out that she decided to come work for the city as a human resources analyst. Now, she and I began to work much more when she began working with DHR with the apprenticeship program and then moved to uh, MTA with the apprenticeship program. And it was during the shelter order when none of us could go into our office that she and I would spend long conversations in the evening about what plans, what ideas could we come up with to help our employees. Um, and she very much focused on the training programs and she spent extensive amount of time talking to all the union representatives to see uh, whether it had to do with funding, trying to get agreement. And she also was great at expressing the challenges uh, to me in terms of asking, would the Civil Service Commission support this? And um, I think because of her unique roles and projects that she took upon, whether it's a DHR at MTA, it actually gave her a new perspective on how she can use the Civil Service Commission to support this greater picture that really would benefit the city as a whole. And um, it's really remarkable to see a person put so much passion. The person is not only an expert on the labor side, but taking it upon herself to learn so much about <coughs> each different union coming to some sort of agreement. And you could tell this was a sincere city employee who had passion and providing uh, opportunities and giving, uh, looking for ways of growth within the city. And Margo was just, uh, how do you say, a strong, wonderful role model of what a city employee is like. So I really thank you commissioners for giving us a chance to, that we can talk about Margo and just to recognize the wonderful work she has done for the city and how she's been a role model to all our employees. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, any uh, comments, questions? Uh, we should be sending condolences to the family. Uh, Vice President, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, and I don't think do, we wouldn't need an action, or do we need to do this at the end of the meeting to send uh, to request that the executive director send condolences to the family? On behalf of the Civil Service Commission, you've you've made the request now. I, okay, I and Margot, we'll she's she's been before the commission on a number of occasions, and um, her presence was felt, and uh, she made a difference. Okay, any additional questions or comments? Thank you for taking the time to come over today to lead the discussion about Margo. We really appreciate your being here and please share our condolences with your colleagues back at MTA. Thank you all. Thank you.
Executive officer, we're ready for the next. Um, we can do the next two agenda items. We are now on the separations agenda item 14 request for a hearing by Mitzi D Davis probationary. 9163 transit operator on their future employment restrictions with the municipal transportation agency recommendation of the municipal transportation agency adopt the report and deny the appeal by Mitzi D Davis. Okay. Uh, is the appellant. Okay. The appellant is here and who is here for MTA. Uh, David Garcia with labor relations at SFMTA is present. Okay, uh, thank you. The process that will follow is we'll hear from MTA first, mm -hmm. and then we will hear from um, uh, Appellant Davis, mm -hmm. and you can have a seat near the front. Um, Manager Davis is on video, so we'll start with him and. Uh, Manager Garcia, you ready? Yes, thank you very much. Um, good afternoon, commissioners. Um, the item before you today is regarding the future employability restrictions applied to uh, former probationary transit operator 9163, uh, Mitzi Davis. Um, this is an appeal having to do with a 24 month work restriction following a probationary release. Um, Mitzi Davis was first hired by the MTA in December 2015. And during her first tenure with the agency, uh, she tested positive for a prohibited substance and was placed on a recovery agreement for a five-year period so that she could return to performing safety-sensitive functions and part of that agreement included abstinence from the prohibited substances for a period of five years while performing, being permitted to perform safety sensitive functions. Then in October uh, 22, uh, excuse me, October 22nd of 2021, Davis tested positive uh, for a, sub, uh, a substance, excuse me, that was October 8th, and then ultimately resigned uh, before the agency took action to separate her for having a second, a second positive test result. Since then, in fact, a couple of years after she resigned, uh, Davis returned to the agency and was rehired uh, for a probationary period, again, as a 9163 transit operator. Although in processing through uh, probation, the agency's records revealed that um, she'd resigned before it had an opportunity to terminate her prior employment and before it had an opportunity to apply its ordinary work restrictions. Um, the agency then re re released the appellant from their probationary appointment on March 15, 2023, and now seeks to impose the 24 month work restriction from that date forward. And um, so in sum, uh, Appellant Davis is here to challenge that future restriction. And we're here and available to answer any questions the commission may have. Thank you. 
Okay, uh, thank you. Appellant Davis, we're ready to hear your uh, opening comments, please. Oh, oh, can you guys hear me? Okay, thank you for having me today. Um, as he stated, um, I just feel like my time should start from 2021 because I did nothing in 2023 when I was rehired to at the 9163 that would cause them to let me go. Um, because according to their rules, um, a negative drug test is needed to be put on um, payroll. And I was in training for three weeks when this happened. So my thing is, if it was an issue, how did I go through the whole entire hiring process? Three weeks of training and now all of a sudden, now it's an issue. So I just want, you know, just for you guys to hear me. And I did the, the SAP requirements outside by myself. So I did that back in 2021. Um, so um, I just feel like my time should start from 2021 because I did nothing for me to get disciplined from 2023. So you're saying that um, you're talking about the 24 month mm -hmm. period. Yes. And Sorry. you you would start the calculation when? When the second positive happened, October 8th, 2021. Um, okay. Not from March 15th, 2023. Uh-huh. And so based on uh, your application of the rules, uh, when when do you believe you were eligible for reemployment? Yes. When? Well, when I got rehired, uh, February 27th, like I say, I, I resigned because that's what my union told me to do. So I was just following the guidelines of my uh, union rep. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's get some questions um, for clarification from uh, the commissioners. Uh, Commissioner Salveson. Uh, thank you. I have a um, a few. I have questions for everybody, <laughs> but uh, first, let me ask uh, Manager Garcia. Um, it seems as though uh, the MTA um, normally would have placed restrictions on at the time of the twenty one resignation, but apparently didn't. Is, is that correct? Oh, you're you're muted. Manager Garcia, we can't hear you. I'm sorry, trying to be mindful of my microphone. Uh -huh. uh, that's correct. Thank you. And if you if uh, you had imposed restrictions at the time of the resignation in 2021, uh, under the SFMTA policies, would that have been a, a two year restriction? Under our practices, it would have been a 2 year restriction. That's right. Okay. And then, um. My question for, um. Appellant Davis, I, I noted in your materials that you have been working for another um, transportation company. Yes. And you indicated that you had, um. No positive drug test Correct. during that time, and I was just wondering how often you got tested in. Uh, it was random, so um, I got tested 3 times. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm having a hard time seeing 
why we would ap apply two years from the current um, uh, resignation or termination because um, it seems that uh, the appellant is being penalized for the fact that the SM SFMTA did not impose the restrictions it normally would have back in 2021. So I don't know, uh, Manager Garcia, if you want to react to that and show me the why I'm mistaken about that. Thank you. Um, the agreement that uh, the appellant signed in 2020 was a five year agreement that required her to abstain from using prohibited substance while performing sensitive, sensitive safety um, functions. And so really the allowance for an employee to perform work on behalf of MTA at that level requires them to simultaneously, one, perform safety sensitive functions and two, to do it for a five year period without having an issue uh, from abstaining with, with, with this thing. And so uh, with the requirements under the recovery agreement. So what happened here is that the employee tested, um, received a non-negative test, and I'm using the, the, the language we, we find in the substance abuse policy programs, but a non-negative test result would have required her termination. And at that point in time, um, you know, again, it was a five-year period. So what we're saying is her last day of performing safety-sensitive functions on October 16, 2021, was only um, a little less than a year into the recovery agreement. And she really has four years and 76 days to complete the entire term. And that means that she would perform safety sensitive functions and remain abstinent from those prohibited substance during that whole entire time. And had this person or appellate not resigned from the position, then the records would have been processed according to um, normal processes. It would have been spaced with termination and the department would have um, addressed, uh, made a recommendation for a work restriction at that point in time. But for her resignation in advance of that process, um, those things didn't occur. Then the person, um, the appellant comes back and reapplies a couple of years later. And, you know, through our processes, we identified that they were a, on a recovery agreement and that they had resigned without completing that five year recovery agreement. And then in this case, um, the, the appellant didn't reveal to us that they had completed those standards or and, and whatnot. So really it was just sort of this two ships passing in the night situation where she's resigning and, and yeah, the um, termination didn't happen and there was no discussion on uh, restrictions, but an employee returning to safety sensitive functions should follow the terms of the recovery agreement that they signed. Um, and, and so our position on it would be that, um, you know, she still has 4 years and 76 days of a recovery agreement to perform while working with the agency. If she were to, to be here. Uh, so you take the position that agreement is still in effect, even though, uh, she it would appear. So I, I, I you were moving to terminate her. <laughs> 
It would appear so because there's nothing in the contract in the recovery agreement that, that says um, that a resignation would would void the agreement or eliminate the agreement. But the performance of the appellant during the agreement, it does say for a five-year period in which the employee is able or perform safety-sensitive functions. So, um, I believe it's the case, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, for all of your um, 9163s under DOT regulations are subject to uh, random drug testing, aren't they? Um, I may have someone on the call from our substance abuse program who can speak more effectively to that. Um, but I don't know as I'm sitting here right now whether everyone is subject to a random test or whether, you know, we need someone to speak to that. Anyone from SFMTA? Um, Somebody raising their hand. a text that um, someone's having a hard time entering the meeting from our substance abuse team. I, I can't see a name, but I do see a hand being raised. Is that Bill Moss? John Lee, John Sears is the one that wants to speak. Okay. Has he been unmuted? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm John Sears. I'm a um, procedural division manager at SFMTA. Um, so based on uh, our employees as transit operators and as commercial drivers for the agency, you are correct, Department of Transportation, they are subject to random um, drug abuse testing. That's just part of the policy, yes. Okay, thank you, thank you for that. Um, so, Manager um, Garcia, so under your uh, view of the agreement that was entered back in, I'm not exactly sure whether it was 2020, the five-year agreement, when do you think that would expire under its own terms? Well, it should expire under its own terms in, sorry about that, it would, I believe it would have expired, and I'm kind of consulting my staff report here for that to see if I covered that date. Sign the agreement Christmas Eve 2020. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so it would expire uh, December 24th, 2025. December 23rd, 2025. Yep. Is that correct? That's right. Right. It was signed on the 24th of 2020. So that would be the 20 December, uh, the 23rd, 2025. Mm -hmm. And um, let me just ask Appellant Davis. Uh, her view of whether she would be or should be um, under the terms of the five-year agreement until December 23rd, 2025. I'm sorry, I can hear you. Well, for example, if you were to be um, rehired at some point before December 23rd, 2025, do you agree you would be under the requirements of that agreement? Yes, if you look at exhibit A, I completed the staff requirements. So I went through the process. I haven't failed 
any drug test for even for my um, um, previous employer. Obviously, I, I didn't fail a drug test when I came back because I got put on payroll. So I took that very serious. So you would be, um, if you were rehired before 2025, you would still be um, willing to be subjected to the drug testing yes. terms of that five-year agreement? Yes, I have no problem with that. I mean, if it's part of my occupation, my job, I have to mm -hmm. deal with it. So, mm -hmm. Thank you. not ashamed. That's all the questions I have. Okay. Um, Vice President Favetti. Uh, actually, I don't know if it's a question or a comment. I do have, um, I think that uh, Commissioner Selvesen pretty much covered a lot of the questions I had. Mm -hmm. but the question is with regard to um, service, because she resigned, in my mind, doesn't make a difference. You don't, if you, the department could have at any time. Uh, can you, can you? Yeah. Oh. yeah. The department could have at any time declared the services unsatisfactory and imposed the 24 hour, 24 uh, month restriction. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't see that you've actually even met the 24 month restriction at this point, because if you came back this year in February, uh, that was a February 27th, if I recall correctly. Uh, you still have that was less than 24, 24 months. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the department did have a responsibility if there was going to be this kind of restriction that it, should, it had ample opportunity to impose it. Uh, for the appellant, I wanted to ask, uh, what what kind of vehicles did you drive at Westcat? Um, I drove the um, forty five but um, forty five um, buses, like um, um, the um, charter buses, Greyhounds, and stuff like oh, that. Okay. So I did the express buses. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. Got it. And and those buses are similar to the AC transit buses. The um, um, Greyhounds, so the bigger ones. The big, okay. yeah. yeah, the big ones. I drove those. Uh, let's see, there's that. There's that. Um... Oh, yeah, that was the other thing I was, I was going through this um, because there is a requirement for the appellant to inform of a prior drug test. So, so in other words, if um, she could have uh, inf informed MTA at the time of her application that she had a, uh, the drug test positive back in October of 2021. But as I was looking at the application, there was no place to put that. So. I thought to myself, how could she have even informed if there's no place on the application to in give that information? That was just another little mm -hmm. factor that I yeah. um, um, picked up. Why don't we ask Manager Garcia? Uh, Manager Garcia, what was the expectation? Uh, did you hear uh, Vice President Favetti's comment that looking at the application, there was she did not appear to see a place where uh, that information should have been provided. Yeah, thank you for the question. And, um, you know, I, I checked and talked to a couple people in new hire processing and from what I understand, they have like a checklist form. It's not on the application, but that it was a verbal check. Um, but, you know, as we know, the probationary period is a continuation of the selection process and before the employee was returned to in performing any safety, safety sensitive functions. Um, we were notified from our SAP team that this person had indeed the positive test. So that's how we became aware. But unfortunately, we didn't have a record um, in the selection paperwork or process about her 
verbal affirmation um, that you know those were the circumstances. Although there is a, is a continuing obligation within the um, substance abuse program that employees would report um, these tasks both to uh, to any subsequent employer. Um, and I really was hoping to have the um, substance abuse team here to speak more to that requirement. But in any case, um, you know, there wasn't a written document that said, you know, fail to disclose or anything like that. But if you look into the packet and the signed recovery agreement and the substance abuse program requirement program overall, indeed, it does have that requirement of an applicant. So um, those are the terms. And, and again, it's a, a five year agreement and. You know, the, the resignation was. Seemed to have had an effect on the process. And it appeared to me based on review of the agreement that. I could see no reason why it would have expired or been terminated by the resignation. There's no sort of evidence of that in anything I reviewed. And um, again, safety is important. You've got to make sure the drivers are safe and yeah. entrusting the public. So, which I understand. yeah, we we definitely agree with you about safety as well as you know, kind of due process. Uh, Vice President Favetti has some additional comments. Yes, just regarding the letter that was sent to Miss uh, to Appellant Davis in October 19, 2021, and it says. Please be advised that the U.S. Department of Transportation regulations require SFMTA to release testing information about you to prospective employers who request such information, provided you provide. Can, well, see, I misread it, but but the thing is, what I'm trying to say is, it doesn't. It didn't seem very clear to me anywhere in the process that Miss, that Appellant Davis had a requirement to, um, that not that she had a requirement. That she had the ability upon her initial application to even give you that information, but on top of that, SFMTA was responsible for that information, and they also have were responsible for the action, effective, 2021. That's the way I look at it. Okay. Uh, commissioners, any additional comments? Uh, Commissioner Savison. I just want to um, clarify with the appellant. Is is the relief you're seeking here to have a um, restriction uh, recognized in, in essence from two years from October eighth, twenty twenty one, so that you are looking for a ruling that you could be reemployed after October eighth, twenty twenty three? Yes. I would move. You want to make a motion? Do you have any more? Do you have any more questions? You ready for a motion? Uh, it looks like we're ready for a motion and a second. Okay, I would um, move to uh, grant the appeal to the extent of um, permitting a restriction uh, through October. Or until October 8, 2023, in recognition of the uh, the fact that it appears that there was kind of a, a mistake uh, not to impose that restriction back at the time of the termination in 2021. Uh, I think that the safety of the public is um, 
is is protected in this situation by the fact that we have ongoing uh, random drug testing under DOT, rule, DOT rules, uh, by the fact that this appellant has had another position requiring DOT testing and has uh, tested negative during the last um, one and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, and that um, she's also um, suggested a willingness to uh, abide by the terms of the five-year agreement until um, December 23rd, 2025. So on that basis, uh, that would be my motion. Second. Uh, commissioners, we have in public, we have a motion and a second to uh, grant the appeal uh, with the proviso that by granting the appeal, uh, the appellant would be eligible for to reapply on October 16, 2023, or is it October 8, 2023? October 8. October 8, 2023. Uh, if you're in the room and ha you have public comment uh, on the motion, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. Uh, commissioners, the roll call vote on the motion before us to grant the appeal provided uh, that the uh, appellant Davis would be eligible to for, eligible for rehire on October 8th, 2023. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Oh, aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Savison. Aye. And I vote aye. We have unanimously granted the appeal with the proviso that uh, Appellant Davis may reapply October 8th, 2023. Um, MTA, thank you for being here and answering our questions. Appellant, thank you for bringing this issue to our attention and good luck. We are ready for the next agenda item. Item 15, request for a hearing by Louis Romero, former 9163 transit operator on their future employment restriction with the Municipal Transportation Agency. Recommendation of the Municipal Transportation Agency, adopt the reports, deny the appeal, and approve the future employability restrictions. Okay. And uh, who is here for MTA? Mr. Garcia. Is that Mr. Garcia again? Manager Garcia, are you here um, for item it's number actually 15? not going to be me, but I can. Um, oh, I see Mr. Sears. Are you here for that item? Yes, I am. Okay. All right. So the. Um, Uh, Appellant Romero, yes. um, the process that we will follow is we'll hear from MTA first, and then we'll hear from you. Okay, thank you. All right, MTA, uh, Manager Sears, we're ready. 
hold on. I have a question. Is this in, um, is, are you talking to me in terms of, this is Chris Romero from MEA. No, no. Pardon me? The appellant's name is Romero. This, this is a different Romero? Uh, correct. They're yeah. referring to the appellant. Okay. Thank you. Ah, Manager yeah. Sears, we can't hear you. Okay, so um, I, Yaya Holmes is, is supposed to be speaking on behalf of the agency, although I am here to speak at any time that's necessary, but I believe she's not able to communicate um, or you're not able to hear. At least she's chatting me that, so... Um, if need be, I, I, I can move forward if, if you're not able to um, connect with her. Uh, Elizabeth, can you try to unmute her? Looks like she's Minor, Minor, she is unmuted unless she's having problems with her speaker, her internal speaker on the computer, but she is unmuted. Okay. everyone um if i may i i'm the labor relations manager and yaya is part of my team and she's having some technical difficulties so she did go ahead and send me talking points um so i can present um what we have for this right now okay thank you manager garcia we're we're ready for your presentation great thank you so much and good afternoon commissioners um I'm David Garcia and Yaya Holmes is here on the line listening from labor relations at MTA. The matter before you today is a future employability of Louis Romero, former 9163 transit operator with SFMTA. Uh, the appellant Romero was employed with MTA from January 5th, 2015 to March 4, 2023. The appellant had been involved it had been violating the SFMTA Municipal Railway Rules and Instruction Handbook, and he received a caution and re-instruct some prior discipline and re-instructions and written warnings throughout his tenure. The incident that led to dismissal of Romero occurred on October 10, 2022. Luis Romero became hostile and confrontational, confrontational with a pedestrian and was observed making threatening remarks to that person. On October 10, 2022, operator Romero is observed in the onboard camera. He's refusing to allow a customer to board. He's pointing his middle finger toward the customer, threatening the customer that if he gets, that if he gets off the bus, he's going to mess him up. Exiting the bus and he exits the bus and confronts the customer by walking towards him and is heard saying, I'll lay you out and with some inflammatory language. He was telling the customer that he'll slap him and pull off and he pulls off his belt and begins walking towards the customer with the belt in hand. MTA is placing future restrictions consistent with its practices for these types of violations. Although Romero does not have a significant discipline record due to the egregious nature of his conduct, MTA is requesting to uphold the decision 
of the Director of Transit and restrict Romero from future employment. The future uh, employment with the city of no future employment with the city and county of San Francisco. So there's no um, duration. It's just a permanent restriction. And today we have members of management who propose that Luis Romero be dismissed. And if you have any questions um, regarding the incidents or any other transit related questions. Okay. And, and thank you for your patience as we figure out our technical issues. Thank you, Manager Garcia. Appellant, you can come to the podium now. And we're ready to hear your comments. Well, thank you for having me over here. And I appreciate it. Uh, I just want to read a statement with what I feel or what happened prior to those days that the gentleman was speaking of. Um, Thank you for your, the opportunity to hold this hearing and for the following me to address you. Please, please let me begin by expressing how ashamed and embarrassed I am for what transpired on March 10th, 2022. I recognize I used poor judgment, violate SFMTA policy. No days goes by. I don't regret my action. That day I wish I could have handled it things differently at this point in this process i believe i have paid the ultimate price for my actions and lack of judgment i have lost a great job a great colleague my retirement the ability to provide myself and some of my self-respect i can't change what happened but i can tell you that what happened on March 10th was not who I am. I consider myself to have been a loyal, a good employee of a SFMTA. My disciplinary record shows that I have not acted aggressively or hostile with any member of the public during the several years of my employment with the SFMTA. I always acted professionally, acted for all my bus riders and passengers. I have attached a letter from my former worker colleague who can attest the type of person who I am. And on off duty, I consider myself ethical, God, um, excuse me, a God loving person who cares about people. I truly enjoy my time as a SF, as a SF muni driver and serving the community. Undoubtedly, there will be many factors you must consider when deciding whether or not to uphold my employment restriction. All that I ask is that you please take in consideration this is what one-time incident entirely out of all my character. I have taken many steps to better myself since the incident by going to counseling, better understanding myself as a person. I live in San Francisco. I have been doing it all my life. So I hold this city very close to my heart. I enjoy being part of the community and would greatly appreciate the opportunity to continue being part of the workforce in some capacity. I worked for the city of San Francisco many years, dealt with the public and daily basis, and always treated them with respect and care. 
I respectfully ask that you do not allow one unfortunate incident in which it will take a full responsibility for to define me as a person or to diminish all my years of quality service. I request the employment restriction to be lifted to allow me to redeem myself and serve the city I love and live in. Um, every day that I come out the house, it just brings a lot of memories, uh, good memories and painful regrets that, that day aspire. I grew up in the city all my life. I love the city and I will be here probably until I die in this city. And I don't know what can add more to change your minds and your decisions at this point. But, and I personally apologize to Mr. John Sears or anybody else who came up to this matter. I'm really sorry, painfully regretful because it, it's, it takes a lot of pain. When I see the buses that I drive and I'm sorry, and it, 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 I, I just don't want to come out the house no more because I feel real bad what happened. And that's pretty much what I have to say. Thank you for your time. Okay, thank you. Uh, you can have a seat in the front row and let's see if commissioners have any questions or comments for the appellant or the department. Vice President Favetti. Uh, this will be to the appellant. Um, you can come back to the podium, please. Yes. Since your dismissal, what kind of activities have you been involved in? You said something about counseling? Uh, yes, um, at the time in the, when I was in the Skelly process, I was taking a, a counseling, peer counseling, which I turned in at the time with the, uh, uh, at the hearing, I want to say. Uh, and also I've been going to church personally, myself, to bear myself and taking counseling. I did want to take a professional counseling, like a doctor counseling, but at the time I, the medical has, I don't have no medical and it costs quite a bit. And that's why I haven't continued to that. And I am willing to bring any experience as a, as a, a driver's as a, but at the time I, I, I'm not doing that at the moment but I wanted to bring back and, and restore that I am able and capable to work with public and, and, and do it as what the MTA would require for me. And have you been working at all since your dismissal? Well, I, I have, but I haven't been working as a class B at the moment. And I just been doing small little jobs, but I want to wish wishful thinking that I wish I could go back what I used to do as a, a transfer operator that I love. And I have a question for the department. I'm sorry. I have a question for the department sure. representative, Mr. Garcia. Um, just wanted to confirm what, what was this, uh, Mr. Uh, Romero's uh, disciplinary record uh, prior to the dismissal? Um, I'm sorry. It looks like a you know, caution and reinstruct and written warnings um, for for very for just unrelated. Um, I'll say this unrelated uh, infraction. Certainly not 
um, you know. So a caution and it was it was a careless driving was it um, was it uh, in uniform infraction was what kind of caution and reinstruct was that about? I think I could answer that. I'm looking for. Thank you, John. <clears throat> Go ahead, Mr. Sears. Manager Sears. So, as, I, as I'm reviewing Mr. Romero's uh, past conduct, um, and I'm going to address those things that uh, we're going to state for the record that Mr. Mr. Romero doesn't have any conduct that rises to this level. Um, what we do see is things of schedule violations um, and AWOL, and these are some years back. So um, we have one discourteous, um, no, yeah, one discourteous report um, for which um, he received no discipline. So there, there's not a significant amount of bad history regarding uh, Mr. Romero. Um, so prior to this incident, was he considered a satisfactory employee? Yes, I think we could safely say prior to the incident, he was considered a, a satisfactory employee. Okay, thank you so very much. Uh, Commissioner Crawley. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, I'm following the same lines. and I, I think I'll go to uh, uh, Mr. Sears first. How many, in the record, Skelly hearings did Mr. Romero have to go to or was asked to go to, or was represented by TWA. Oh, are you are you regarding not not just this particular? You're talking about past Kelly hearings. Correct. Well, he has um, no suspensions, so um, there would have been no Skelly hearing. Thank you. And Mr. Romero, were you represented by TWU in your latest? Well, I would, if I, if I could test to that, I, it was really a poor, it was like a poor meeting. It, but yeah, we did have those meetings and I only had a few minutes over the phone conversation as with the, with the union. Uh, they had different policy, I guess, in place. They asked me to not come back to the work area until I get notified. But the only time that I have been advised by the union, it was just a small conversation over the phone and probably uh, five minutes uh, in person or 10 minutes the most. But after that, it was just dealt with it as we had a meeting with the Skelly. Okay. No further questions, Madam Chair. Okay, thank you, Commissioner Crawley. Uh, Commissioner, is any additional questions or comments? I just have a Vice President Favetti. I have a, I'm a regular muni writer, and believe me, I in reading this, I was just absolutely. I would be terrified, terrified to be seeing this kind of an incident occur. But that being said, I also want to consider the fact that this is um, 
one-time incident um, and a number of years of satisfactory service. And so I'm trying to balance that. Um, because the last thing in the world that a mass meaning passenger wants is to see their driver completely lose their control. Um, mm -hmm. But does that deserve a, a lifetime ban from the city and county of San Francisco? I'm not quite certain. I'm still opening for open to um, other commissioner opinions. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Commissioner's Vice President Favetti is asking for <laughs> your balanced opinion. Commissioner Salveson. Yeah, I share uh, Commissioner Favetti's uh, concern about uh, a lifetime ban when we have basically a good discipline record except for the one very serious event. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it seems like perhaps something could be crafted um, that is more limited than lifetime um, and that requires some sort of um, successful employment elsewhere. I'm sure Commissioner Favetti would have some ideas about how to do that. Five, five years, three, three years outside service. I think it would seem to me that I would, I would also want to have evidence of some kind of counseling. I don't know if that's a possibility for us to have that as part of our action. Yeah. Um, I think there's um, potentially an issue of the expense of counseling, so maybe. I'm oh, that's right. Are you? I'm listed as Paul's Our deputy city attorney has comments. Uh, deputy city attorney Kate Kimberlin. <laughs> I I didn't know you missed Paul so much. <laughs> um, I just wanted to perhaps. Um, hear from SFMTA about whether it has any um, suggestions about other similar action it's taken with lesser than a full ban. It may have other language already um, that it's used that would be satisfactory to the commission um, rather than trying to craft something anew. Hello, everyone. Can you hear me? This is Yaya. Yes. Um, so, um, so we do, if it's less than a, um, dismissal, um, in this case, we will say, um, say like 5 years satisfactory employment. Um, and normally it has to have some kind of verification, um, to that. The, so that would be one of the things we would put on there and it would be satisfactory employment. Uh, if it was less than a, um, city wide ban. I just said, you said, I just wanted to double check. Uh, you said 5 years. Yeah, I, yes, for this, I mean, to, so. Our, our practice right now is if somebody is being dismissed for workplace violence, we are putting a lifetime ban. If the commissions believe maybe in this case that something, you know, lifetime, may be not appropriate, then maybe a 5 years, but currently our practice is to do a full ban. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so with that, when we do, we would say, um, person, um, if we weren't to do a lifetime ban, then we would say five, say five years with, um, verification of outside employment or that satisfactory outside employment. Mm -hmm. 
Madam Inspector outside in, in a similar classification or do you have any any uh do you restrict I think um with this one because it's customer service um it would be similar um or something customer service facing just because of the incident that occurred I would go with a five-year ban and verification of satisfactory service. Okay, so is that a motion, Commissioner? Um, I'm just putting it out. Oh, to Mr. and uh, Commissioner Salveson. I just wanted to um, reflect a little on the idea of counseling and maybe as an alternative or as a one of the options of to it could be a five-year ban with satisfactory employment or an alternative, perhaps three years with um, successful completion of an anger management counseling program. Okay. Okay. Um, and as I say, you know, being a, a frequent muni passenger, having viewed something like that, it would just absolutely terrify me, mm -hmm. but it doesn't stop me from taking muni, but, um. That being said, I can also take into consideration the what you're saying with the past employment and three years satisfactory service and uh, counseling. And I would okay. make that motion. Okay. And um, our deputy city attorney has some comments. Um, Kate Kimberlin, deputy city attorney. Uh, I would invite the commission to clarify what type of program would it be something certified or recognized by the city otherwise. Um, perhaps, um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure exactly, um, you know, would that be, um, a 6 month program? Is that a 1 year program? I, I, I think there's a lot of options there. So I, I think you want to be a little bit clearer on the record when you make your motion. Mm -hmm. Okay. A, well. I don't know. Well, could, about. could we, uh, an uh, a program identified by the city's e EAP e mm -hmm. as, um, a, um. Satisfactory anger management program. Accepted by the, the, the city's EAP. City's EAP. Yeah. Okay. So 3 years outside satisfactory service and. Uh, completion of anger management program accepted by the city's employee empl uh, employee assistance program. Okay. Okay, so that would be the motion. Okay. And is there a second? Second. Okay, we have a motion and a second um, to. A motion and a second for a three year ban, um, coupled with a successful completion of an anger management program acceptable to the city's employee assistance program. That's the EAP program. So that's the motion. If you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. 
Okay, thank you. Uh, commissioners, the roll call vote on the pending motion. Um, three year ban subject to successful completion of an anger management program accepted by the city's EAP program. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. And I vote aye. We have approved the motion. Um, appellant, do you understand the motion we've just approved? Uh, yes, it's, uh, I think I have is a three year ban. After three years, I can, the, the restriction will be lifted. Is that what it is? Um, after three years, you can reapply provided you have completed the anger management program that's acceptable to the city's EAP program. And if you call the commission office, um, this week, we will connect you to the EAP program so you can get that information. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, MTA, thank you again for being here. Uh, manager Garcia and manager Sears and, uh, appellant. Thank you. And good luck. We are ready for the next agenda item. Commissioners, I just like to get clarification on the uh, modification of the future employment restrictions. Is it three years Ben or three years outside satisfactory service? Oh, that means the same thing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. We may we may need to redo this because I, I said a three year ban, but I think the motion was. Um, a three-year ban plus three years of satisfactory outside employment. What, six? No, oh, it's a no, concurrently. Three years, uh, three-year ban subject to uh, completion of satisfactory service during said period plus uh, presentation you. of proof of uh, successful completion of an anger management program mm -hmm. uh, which is acceptable to the EAP. That's my understanding of the motion. Mm -hmm. right. I think just for the clarity of the record, um, we should go ahead and make that motion. I've moved to reconsider the previous action. I voted in the affirmative, uh, reconsider the prior motion so that we may amend and restate. Okay. Second. Prior action. Okay. So, three years outside satisfactory, de a demonstration of three years outside satisfactory service. I think what is before you, Commissioner, is the motion for reconsideration, which will oh. take precedence over another motion. And I believe it's non-debatable. And it was seconded. Yeah. yeah. So, we have a motion for reconsideration that's been second. Um, Public comment, I believe will be no, no public comment necessary. Oh, good. No public comment on a motion to reconsideration. Thank you. And so do we actually need a roll call vote or can I say unanimous? For posterity. The <laughs> deputy city attorney prefer a roll call vote. Roll call vote. Uh, Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Savison. And I vote aye. Commissioner Chan, thank you. We are at the point in the program we Commissioner Salveson or Vice President Favetti are you know are invited to restate the motion. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, well, I thought Commissioner Chan restated it really well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, yeah, Commissioner Chan, why don't you restate the motion for us so we can move along? <laughs> I think procedurally, we are granting the appeal, are we not? Yes. So, first item is that we will grant the uh, appeal, provided, however, that the uh, the uh, restriction on employment be modified to three years of satisfactory uh, employment elsewhere. And uh, additionally, that appellant uh, complete an anger management counseling program, which is satisfactory in form and substance with the EAP. Mm -hmm. uh, very good. Uh, thank you. We have a motion and a second. If you're in the room and you have public comment on the motion, you may come to the podium now. If you're on the telephone, you may, may press star three. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay, uh, the appellant has a question, please. Yes, uh, I was just wondering, so it's three years that after three years, I will be able to apply for the for the county. Uh, if, if the other conditions are also met, so three right. years plus having worked some other place successfully and having completed an anger management class approved by the city's EAP. And if I bring uh, any work experience, uh, let's say it says here the requirement of uh, any public and other and other work, working with the public, is there any consideration that could be lower less than three years? Mm -mm. No. Okay, thank you. Okay. Okay, we're ready for the roll call vote. Uh, Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Savison. Aye. And I vote aye. We have uh, granted the appeal um, subject to a three year ban, three year successful completion of work. Um, outside the city and county of San Francisco and completion of an anger management program approved by the city's EAP. And please call our office this week to be connected with the city's EAP program. Okay, we're next, we're, we're ready for the next agenda item. Item 16, request by the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency to grant removal of department restriction for Keith Bynum. Recommendation of the Municipal Transportation Agency, adopt the findings and approve the removal of department restriction for Keith Bynum. Madam President, I was going to say in the interest of administrative economy, this very much appears to be like a stipulation by the parties. Uh, which is before us and that perhaps our inquiry, having read all the documents and materials that have been submitted in this administrative record that we have the parties state on record, whether they object or, or, or agree to um, the, uh, what I take to be the recommendation uh, that uh, the, uh, we approve the removal of the uh, department 
restriction for Mr. Bynum, Appellant Bynum. I would second that. Okay, so this was a suggestion, Madam President. Um, we like that suggestion. Um, Manager Miles, thank you for being here. Um, you heard uh, Commissioner Chan's comments. Do you want to just state on the record that you concur? Yes, uh, this is William Miles, Town Acquisition Senior Manager for SFMTA. Um, SFMTA does concur with the recommendation to remove the departmental ban for Mr. Bynum. Okay. Hi, everyone. Are you Miss? Are you Mr. Bynum? Yes, I'm Mr. Bynum. Okay, Mr. Bynum. Mr. Bynum, do you want the restriction to be removed? Yes. Okay, we have a stipulation. All the parties agree that the um, restriction should be removed, and we'll see if we do. We have a motion. So moved. Second. We have a motion and a second to remove the restriction. We're making this very easy for you today. Thank you. Uh, is there public comment on the motion to uh, remove the restriction? Get the language right. To adopt the report, thereby removing the restriction. Thank you. If, you. if you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. Um, commissioners, the roll call vote to uh, adopt the report, thereby removing the restriction. Um, Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We have adopted the findings and approved the removal of the department restriction for Mr. Bynum. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, every last one of you. Yeah. Thank Forget you very that. much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Chan. Well, the closer we get to 1700 hours, the more creative we get. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And she's not with us, is she yet? She hasn't signed. She hasn't signed on the appellant. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, executive officer, can we move on to uh, agenda item 18? Item 18, commissioner's announcements and requests. All right. Uh, commissioner's announcements, requests. Uh, Vice President Favetti. You know, I would. <laughs> well, before we get to Commissioner Vetti's uh, announcement, I think we heard from the public today that uh, some solution is needed. Well, from the, the public, I was going to ask about the public speaker. That... I think it would be appropriate to consider at a future meeting of the uh, 
commission whether we would recommend legislation to the Board of Supervisors to establish something akin to the Office of Inspector General, of which Commissioner Favetti could be the first one. <laughs> I'm sort of half facetious about this, but but I think what I'm hearing more and more from city workers is that a greater degree of enforcement may be warranted, and, and at some point, you this body may want to consider uh, measures that go beyond the mere uh, inspection service function and uh, uh, better police the merit system. Interestingly enough, you know, the inspections, although this is not an item on the agenda, but the thing is, uh, the inspection service does have um, inspection service requests can eventually or reports can eventually go to the commission um, and the commission can take action. On those, depending I think, on what this I think more extraordinary uh, remedies are in order, which would be the ability to recommend to another branch of government that, you know, that uh, there'd be a budgetary sanction uh, if and when bad behavior has been uncovered. Interesting. Because otherwise we're going to be limited to simply hearing. I don't, I don't mean to engage in a great colloquy that has not been noticed. I, I'm just merely suggesting we might have a future conversation to see whether or not a degree of creativity is uh, warranted under the circumstances. What I was going to ask about was the public comment that we received at the very beginning of the meeting, and I was wondering, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I, I, uh, I was going to ask about uh, whether we need follow up on the public comment at the very beginning of the meeting um, and with regard to, I wasn't quite certain, but I think what she was really meaning is that you, know, you can be a long term city employee, you can have phenomenal employee or uh, uh, reference or uh, performance appraisals. You can provide leadership and yet when you apply for the lead job, then not be considered at all. And it does. It sounded to me like he wasn't even interviewed. So I'm not certain what happened and, and do we need to have a follow up report on on that? Or is, you know, if, if the executive director deems it something would be appropriate it if for the commission in public session. But then the other one was about our, uh, we're having Juneteenth uh, coming up. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering. Um, yeah, we have no meeting, right? Right, we have no meeting. Do we need to reschedule? So. Executive officer, you you polled commissioners for potentially meeting on the 23rd. That is correct um, to plan in advance. We were able to find uh, this hearing room uh, available on Friday, the 23rd. If the commission decided to uh, schedule a special meeting. Um, after surveying the commissioners, I know one commissioner will not be available. Um, one other commissioner will need to reschedule an event, but could be available. And uh, a third commissioner is only available at certain times. So it, likely it would be scheduled in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. 
there's that question and then there's a question of the July 3rd meeting. And then the, for the July 3rd meeting, I did not survey the commissioners, but I do know that one commissioner will not be present at the July 3rd meeting. And commission staff has just informed me that on the Friday, the June 23rd meeting, we only have the hearing room until 5 p.m. And because it is short notice, it is unlikely there will be a huge ratification agenda of PSCs. If anything, it could be appeals. It could be any of the items, other items that we are working on and DHR is working on. Um. So, uh, commissioners, it, it looks like I'm the only commissioner and not available on the 3rd. And so, you know, I think you probably going to have some challenges with staff on the 3rd. As a, this is a super long holiday weekend. I will also not be present, but, uh, my deputy okay. will be hosting. Um, and so, um. One of the things we could do is just continue with the meeting on the 3rd. That is a possibility uh -huh. because we will have PSCs. So it's just the 3rd of, of July. So no meeting on the 23rd, but we will have our regularly scheduled meeting on the, on July 3rd. Okay. And Vice President Favetti will preside because I'm not available. And they won't let us, they won't let us, we can no longer video in, right? Unless you're sick, right? Because <laughs> okay. I could video in where I'm going to be. <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll sign in with my bathing suit on. Shock everybody. <laughs> I won't be here. I won't be here for the 15th. Oh, you won't? No. Commissioners, are there any more requests? Oh. Um. I only asked uh, if I can allow staff to be on break before the. Oh, next oh yeah. Item. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, any, any additional, uh, announcements, uh, commissioners. Commissioner minor, was there something you were thinking that you'd like me to. Well, I, I did want to, um, calendar, uh, very soon an item, um, to update the commissioner commissioners on discussions that Vice President Favetti and I've had with uh, human resources directors looking at um, potential modifications and changes in the roles that are viewed as uh, 
the potential for improving the hiring and potentially also the retention process in the city. Um, but uh, calendaring it for the meeting on July 3rd probably is not a good idea um, because of uh, low, low attendance with the holiday. And then the next meeting, um, Commissioner Favetti has said she's not available. Uh, so we're in August. First meeting in August. Which is going to be the 7th. That unfortunately, Commissioner, I'm out that week. Uh -huh. So if there's a, if you want my participation, you'll have a substitute BCA, uh -huh. but. Um, uh -huh. Well, it's a challenge of summer scheduling. It is. <laughs> Although you'll have John Givner, so he's not exactly a shabby substitute. Yeah. <laughs> People. Um, Paul has been out <laughs> for um, a couple, I guess, almost a couple months now. But hopefully we'll return soon. <laughs> Ronner, are we in recess? Uh, I I think we've concluded announcements. Okay. If, okay. Well. President Minor, we are now ready. Uh, thank you. Executive officer, we are ready for uh, the special order of business agenda item. Item 17, appeal by Jeremy Thieu of the Human Resources Director's determination to administratively close appellant's complaint of age discrimination and retaliation. Recommendation of the Human Resources Director, adopt the report, uphold the decision of the Human Resources Director, and deny the appeal by Jeremy Thu. Uh, thank you. Uh, Appellant Thu? Yes, we, we're just confirming you're here. The process is we'll start with DHR and then we'll hear from you. I'm ready. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Deborah Dulé, and I am an EO program senior specialist with the Department of Human Resources. On November 22, 2021, appellant Jarmy Thieu reported allegations of age discrimination and retaliation for raising concerns about the Human Services Agency's reassignment process. On June 15, 2022, Deanna Garcia, then 1233 EEO program specialist conducted an intake interview with appellant. On November 18, 2022, the human resources director informed appellant that the allegations did not meet the standard for discrimination or retaliation and appellant's complaint was administratively closed. 
The question on appeal is whether the human resources director appropriately administratively closed appellant's complaint without further investigation. For reasons I will explain, the answer is yes. Comparative evidence did not support appellant's age discrimination claim. Rather, the successful candidates were older than appellant. Moreover, younger candidates were treated similarly compared to appellant and were not selected for the reassignment. Therefore, appellant's age discrimination allegation did not satisfy prima facie under the city's EEO policy to warrant further investigation. Appellant was correct to follow up with the department about an error in the seniority calculation. In response, the department rectified the oversight and around September 17, 2021, the department apologized to appellant about the discrepancy. Thus, the department's actions do not suggest age-based animus, especially given that on September 30th, 2021, appellant interviewed for the reassignment. Lastly, the department removed a younger applicant from the selection process entirely. Therefore, appellant's age discrimination claim failed to satisfy prima facie under the city's EEO policy and the human resources director issued the correct determination. Although appellant engaged in a protected activity, there was no information to show that the department's hiring determinations were related to appellant's protected activity. Appellant only speculated about filing an EEO complaint after the hiring decisions were made. Furthermore, the department had legitimate business reasons to select the successful candidates because they scored higher on the interviews compared to appellant. Moreover, there was no evidence that the hiring decision was pretext for retaliatory animus, given that the department rectified appellant's seniority calculation, apologized for the oversight, ensured compliance with applicable rules, and appellant interviewed for the reassignment. Again, the, the department's actions towards appellant do not demonstrate retaliatory animus. Thus, appellant's retaliation claim did not satisfy prima facie under the city's EEO policy to warrant further investigation, and the human resources director issued the correct determination. On appeal, appellant does not provide any new information that would support either an age discrimination claim or retaliation claim under the city's EEO policy. First, an opportunity to review statements made at intake cannot refute comparative evidence showing that the successful candidates were older than appellant, thereby nullifying appellant's age discrimination claim. Second, personal changes are irrelevant to the veracity of the human resources director's determination, given that comparative and documentary evidence does not support appellant's discrimination or retaliation claims. Third, DHR EEO provided timely status updates in a professional manner. Thus, appellant does not provide any information on appeal that warrants further review under the city's EEO policy and the human resources director's determination should be upheld. In conclusion, the human resources director appropriately determined that appellant did not sufficiently allege an age discrimination or retaliation claim and appropriately determined appellant's complaint did not warrant further investigation under the city's EEO policy. 
we respectfully request that the commission deny appellant's appeal and uphold the human resources director's determination. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Makia McCright, Office of Civil Rights HR Manager, is also here to answer any questions as well. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, appellant, we're ready for your statement. Good afternoon. So my face, probably you know my face already, because I stand here, I stood here four years ago in June 2019 as regards to another case, but it's, it's, it's kind of related to this case, because at that time I filed an FMLA, um, I filed a complaint of, uh, um, against um, SMMTA while I was on leave on FMLA. They released me during probation. So I was displaced and came back. I went back to my original position as a 29-13, but in a different department. So you heard my case several times, three times. So now it's, this is kind of related. There are two sides to the story. So today, I'm just going to explain it to you in my simple English without any legal terms, whatever, or what happened since then. Um, and I would like you to put yourself in my shoes while I'm explaining the case to you and also have in mind the mission statement of the CSC's office. Okay, okay. so I was this place and at that time it was December, um, December 2020, you had denied my, my claim. So I'm, I'm waiting for the reassignment since I was displaced in 2018 from FMM. LA uh, from SMMTA. So it says, so. So to, in January 2000, um, 2021, I had meeting with Miss um, Eng and she encouraged me. Oh, yeah, because I was very upset at that time because you, you couldn't do anything about my case with uh, SFMTA. So, oh, just wait for the reassignment opportunities. So finally, the opportunities came in 2020, um, 2021. At the end of July, there were two assignments opportunities available for reassignment. And I applied for both assignment opportunities. This is in the same unit where I was displaced from before I took the promotional uh, uh, promotion to SMMTA. When I was displaced, those positions were not available, not open. So two, two people, two people re, um, retired. So the two opening, two. And I was in this unit. I worked in this unit from 2007 to 2009. And I worked in, in this unit again because there was a big layoff. Uh, in 2009, so I was bumped down to a different classification. When the whole whole over list was uh, was they called me for the whole over list, I came back to the same unit, in overpayment unit, same unit. 
it was in November 2000, 2011. So I worked there till June 2018 when, when I took the um, promotion to uh, that one is history. So, so I was very happy that, that, that there were two opportunities and they can only score the first three, the most senior, most candidate, uh, the candidates with the most seniority. So I applied, I waited two weeks, nothing happened. And I finally find out and, and I call HR until then on August 17, if you look at my timeline, on August 17, I call HR. I said, what happened to the reassignment opportunities? There are two positions and I, I did not hear from anything from HR or from, from the hiring unit. And they, so, she, I call her, but then we switch to team. That's why I kept the screen, uh, the team screenshot. She showed me um, in PeopleSoft what my days are, da, 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 da. So on the 17, I notify them. I say, no, my seniority is 2007. It's based on that. And they said, no, no, I said, you must have, this must be a mistake, blah, blah, blah. So they promised me. That's Arlen Bryce, the HR analyst with 20 years, more than 20 years of experience in HR. And she told me, oh, no, uh, based on this, it's based on the, the, the screen she showed me. Oh, your seniority is the day when you came back to the uh, SF 29-13, which is the program. So I immediately contacted the CSE's office, Ms. Eng. I said, is this correct? What the they were not able to show me the, the rules how do the seniority rules work? So, I mean, but at the same time, on the screenshot, she informed me, oh yeah, oh, remind me tomorrow, I, I would contact the hiring manager and see what happened. That, that, that was on August 18. On now August 18 and 19, they were already hired, they were already interviewing. HR did not stop anything, did not do anything, Keep, kept misleading me, kept misleading me, if you look at the timeline, the screenshot kept misleading me to September 16. 16, when I contacted Ms. Ng, I said, I could not hold it longer because she offered me, oh, I should call it on August, not on September 8, whether she should contact uh, HR, DHA, um, not DHA, HR. I said, no, 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 not yet, because I fear of retaliation because I know they want to skip me. So during this time, so let me get to the HR first. HR failed to take action, okay? And I kept, if you could look at my screenshot, I kept asking him what happened to the position. They did not acknowledge the seniority, nothing. Till the night when after missing contact with the HR manager, David too, he scheduled a meeting on the 17th with me. So he apologized, yeah, we made a mistake, blah, blah, blah. But at that time, they already hired. There were two positions, right? I am eligible for those two positions based on my seniority. They already hired the first one. They select because they interviewed the people of uh, those three candidates on the 18th and the 19th. And on the August 20th, they sent in the selection sheet and get the next available candidate, the next candidate on the um, a seniority with the seniority. So they interviewed that candidate on the 24th. And the next day, very next day, they sent in the selection sheet. And during this time, HR keep 
misleading me. Oh, we are busy. So what's going on? I, I went through this tour, this, this turmoil from August to October. And then finally on the 16th, and also at the same time, this encouraged me. I document everything. I was like, oh, oh, did you contact the HR? Um, did you contact the H, uh, hiring unit? I said, I, before, before they schedule anybody, I send them an email expressing my interest to going back to the unit. I, then after that, I send emails to CCHR asking for the, pro, the update. They did not respond. Did not respond even till today, nothing. So on the 16th, after that, HR said, oh yeah, they will ask them to um, schedule you for an interview. But meanwhile, the person is the first position is on board. They offer the letter, select, offer the, uh, send out the offer letter to, to the second, to the candidate for the second position. And she was ready to be onboarding. And HR did not notify me. I don't know. It's, it's intentional. It's mostly intentional because they want to cover up because they want to have to hire. So, so until after that, after I, I reported to CSC, so say they scheduled me for an interview. It's just for formality and just pass me on like that. So my question is: this fair? Is this fair to me? I not only that. One of the panelists, one of the panelists on August, um, even make an effort to do, re do research on, on the seniority rules and, and told the, um, the other panelists, look, she shouldn't, in that kind of context, I shouldn't be included based on seniority. It's all in, the, in my packet. It's not fair to me. It's, why do I have to suffer this kind of condition? August till now, and even that, not even that, October 4th, the first, the first one is onboarding. And then they have not select, make the selection because I was interviewed on the September 30th. They did not turn in the selection sheet until the 6th. So with the first four candidates, they did not waste time turning anything, well, turning in, uh, the, the, their selection the next day. And not only that, because I was so upset. After that, I request the document from the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force. And this is coming from the investigation division. They deny that. They deny me the information. This is coming from them. They denied me to get the email, anything pertaining to these two positions, the reassignment positions, um, any pertaining information. I was denied. I went through three appeals meetings with the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force uh, before they released bit of them from me. They did not release how they communicate. If you select a candidate, because they only just, uh, there's no notes, nothing at all. So they, they, they try to cover up because they do not want me. They did not want me to be in their, back to their unit. I have the experience. They just discriminate me as a person. I, I, 
I, I don't know what else I can explain it to you. This is, put yourself in my shoes. See, and think of the obvious statement. Fair, is it fair to me with this kind of condition? I have to go through so many obstacles to get some bit of information, to get an interview. And they, they knew they were going to pass me. So I, I, that's all I have to say today. And I, I, I sincerely apologize that I, I did not, I could not explain it in a simple way. That, uh, that's what happened. And I, I would urge you to, to launch an investigation in that instead of having DHREO close the investigation. And then if you have any question regarding this, I, I have compiled, I have get most of the information. The evidence is here. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, thank you, Appellant Thu. Um, we're going to take questions from the commissioners. Some of the questions will be for you and some will be for the department. So why don't you hang around in the front seat so you can easily get back up yes. to the podium. Okay. Uh, commissioners, uh, questions or comments um, for the department or the appellant? Commissioner Salveson. Okay, um, question for uh, Senior Specialist Dulé. Did I pronounce that right? <laughs> okay. Um, so, It's, can you illuminate, you know, what was going on in terms of the uh, mistake on the seniority? Was there, um, yeah, any any light on that would be helpful. And and in particular, uh, you know, how it came to be that the department made such that mistake, and has there been anything done to rectify that as a procedural matter, just for any employee, not not just this case. Yes, thank you so much, Commissioner. I believe um, Nakia McCrite um, or other in individuals with the department are also present online to help elucidate the issue about how the seniority should be calculated and all the um, types of updates in terms of process improvement to make sure this sort of type of thing doesn't happen again, because it's very, all employees want to make sure that these things are calculated right the first time. So I believe Makia is present um, to provide more detail about that. Is that Makia McWright? Yes, mm -hmm. I believe David too is also present who can also provide um, additional information as well. Well, commissioners, um, th this is David too, um, HR manager at HSA. So I can uh, shed a little light on um, how seniority is um, calculated or how it's retrieved from people in pay. So um, there is a seniority query in people in pay that we run and we can run it by job code. So in this, in the case of uh, Ms. Thu's um, reassignment, we were running for a 2913 program specialist. It would um, come up with all the seniority um, names along with the dates. And generally the certification date is the seniority date. There are some cases where um, in Ms. Thu's case, um, she was released from probation from um, SFMTA. That certification date ended up changing to the date that the referral was issued. 
for the rule of one to get back into the 2913. So uh, that was the, that was our error. We retrieved that date instead of using um, or instead of looking into her record to find out that that date was actually a current date and it should have been the date prior when she was 2913 with us last. So since then, uh, we have switched over to use department seniority. Um, and I think it's a, it's a little better. I don't, I don't know if it solves all the issues, but I think it's a little closer in terms of the actual um, seniority day calculations um, for uh, reassignments. Yeah, obviously it can cause a lot of pain for employees who, you know, get the wrong dates. So um, I, I hope the department is putting, um, you know, a lot of attention to making sure these determinations are correct. Definitely. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I do observe that uh, this issue over seniority and the mistake is not really an EEO issue uh, and that the so far I haven't heard any evidence that age played a part here. So. Um, and that, that's my thinking on it and that's all the questions I have. Mm -hmm. um, so. Generally, I agree with uh, Commissioner Salveson um, about the discrimination aspect. Um, the challenge that I had in reviewing the file, and this is probably for the department, I don't understand the significant delay in scheduling her interview. And I'd like to hear an explanation about that. Sure. Um, so, uh, the delay was actually um, a 2 part delay. So, um, when we were notified um, by Ms. Thu that, um, you know, the seniority was incorrect. We, um, we actually had our program our hiring manager. Um, we made sure that they would include Ms. Thu in the interview um, for the position. Um, the 1st issue that happened was. These 2 positions were posted for reassignment in late July of 2021. Um, we also had another 3 positions in the same classification in the same program, but just a different unit. Um, that were posted in August of um, 2021, so August 2nd of 2021. And when we um, conveyed to the hiring manager to make sure that we included Ms. Thu in the um, interview for the 1st set, which is the overpayments unit that Ms. Thu uh, was interested in. Uh, I think there was some miscommunication and she was actually included in interviews for the second group. And that's why we moved forward with that first group and um, uh, we moved forward the hiring process. Then later we actually found out that that was not the case and she was not interviewed for the correct um, set of 2913 positions. So then we halted that completely, uh, halted the second position, I should say, completely. Because the first position was selected, uh, the person selected for the first position held the most seniority. So we felt comfortable moving forward with that regardless. The second position we halted and then we started scheduling the um, interviews. I believe there was a, some scheduling conflicts. Uh, so we started doing it in around mid-September and it wasn't until end of September until we can get missed through an interview. So it was a combination of the seniority issue at first, and then also these two sets of 2913s that happened to be posted within about a week or two of each other. 
Okay, in and in the first set, um, uh, the the person who was first selected, um, I don't think I need to find his name, but I can. It was a male. He had higher seniority than Ms. Thu? Um, correct. So according to our seniority date, his seniority was March 8th of 2008. Okay. And the second person selected uh, in the first round of openings, and it, I believe it was a she, her seniority date? Um, so what would happen is after the first person was selected, if programs wanted additional names to just to get three people, we would give the next um, person who's most senior. In this case, um, we gave another set of names um, that person's seniority was March 28th of 2017. There were actually two people, but one of um, the individuals declined. So the other person was provided. And that ended up being the individual that was selected for the second position. Okay. And how did her seniority compare to appellate Thu's? Uh, she was um, she was more senior than Ms. Thu's, uh, according to the incorrect date that Ms. Thu had. But if we use Ms. Thu's correct and start seniority date, then she would definitely not be amongst the top three most senior. Uh-huh. Okay. Because Ms. Thu's incorrect seniority date was in 2018. And this um, respondent for the reassignment, their seniority date was March 28th of 2017. Okay. Did do you personally have any experience with this happening in other cases where you have um, an, incor an incorrect calculation of a seniority date, um, a position is offered, you determine that the seniority date um, correction could possibly have changed the result or at least opened it up for an interview um, have you in the past looked at whether you should rescind the offer? Um, yeah, so it doesn't happen that often, but it has happened a few times in the past. And um, it, it really depends on when we, uh, when we find out. If it's early on, then we do stop the process and make sure we correct it. In this case, it did go uh, pretty far. A job was offered to the um, someone who was not amongst the top three most senior. Um, so we would have proceeded, then we would have been in violation of the MOU. So we um, we were not proceeding with um, uh, this the, the selection uh, with the seniority of 2017. Instead, we made sure that Ms. Thu was interviewed um, amongst the top three most senior. But as it has happened in, in the past, and we we do recognize that um, we, we we can do better in making sure that this doesn't happen uh -huh. moving forward. And uh, was the did the union contact you on her behalf, on Abdul's um, behalf? Not until later. I think when um, Ms. Thu requested more information about the process, the union did um, reach out to us on her behalf. Okay. Okay. And why is it she had to go to the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force in order to get information that I think generally we consider to be public records? Um, information regarding a hiring process, um, generally, 
we we didn't know we didn't think that was considered public records because it does contain names of applicants um, who applied. In this case, it would be internal employees who have applied for jobs. In this case, reassignments. Okay. But I did uh, provide Ms. Sue with the chronology, like she requested um, about the events that happened. Um, this was before her request to the Sunshine um, Ordinance Task Force. Yeah, I, I, I saw that the request, the, the cron was provided to her, but again, uh, it took, I think, close to two months after her request for her to get it. And I can see a hand raised. Um, is that someone with HSA? Yes, ma'am. Uh this is Vladimir Rudakov. I'm the director of investigations on program integrity, which oh, is okay. the program in question. I just wanted to address your question of why uh, we didn't release the documents on the request. Um, our assigned city deputy city attorney uh, gave us a legal advice that that information was confidential. And so we took that and until um, the complaint was filed with the Sunshine Task Force. We didn't realize, basically going on the advice of the city attorney, that we had to release that information. And when we were informed that, well, we started preparing and uh, we submitted all the information to her. I see. Okay. Thanks for that clarification. Okay. Uh... Commissioners, any additional questions? Uh, I'd like to give Appellant Thu an opportunity to respond to anything that she's heard, that they've heard. Yes. So, question still remains. On August the 17th, I contacted HR. Why did they do anything on that day? If you look at the screenshots that I, she kept misleading me. So yeah, they will call you for an interview. They, I should remind her that from the 17th till until I said, I'm, I'm going to do the next step. There's no action taken. Nothing has taken. If they have stopped, then, then I will be in the first pool. One, two, three for the first position. Now I was not even interviewed for the first position. I was only interviewed considered for the second position. Why was there no action taken? And also, David too said, oh, this was some, some kind of miscommunication, miscommunication. That is not true. Because every said, when they send out the names to the hiring man unit, they send out via email. Like, okay, these are the three candidates for this position. And he said it was erroneously sent to another hiring unit. I did not see any proof. I have all the, the, the email that was sent to them, the first three and the next. And at that time, it was after the 17, and they still didn't do anything did not stop that, and they continued to send it. And even after the person was selected, HR did not acknowledge anything. 
or until oh, the hiring process stopped. But at that time, they already selected a candidate, appointed a candidate to go to for fingerprinting. What did they do? Nothing. Because, and until I, I, when, when Ms. Ng uh, contacted David to, yeah, this is, they were, oh, they have to interview me. So they went out to research the civil service, the seniority rules. And then it's, what kind of, I am put in a very, very disadvantaged position. Isn't it fair to me? They, you are a panelist and you, you didn't want me. You, you go out and research, oh yeah, she shouldn't be here. She put into, for the hiring manager to see, yeah. See highlight section in that email. See highlight section. So they, the panel, the panelists already have bias against me because it's just a formality. They, because based on seniority, they have to, uh, um, they, they couldn't get their selected person. That one is a younger person, younger than me. And this is, they were trying to retaliate me. It's from the beginning, from the get-go, they do not want me. That's why it's with all the hiccups from HR, perfect match. But I am the one suffering. And what, what is it? I have experience in that eight years experience, eight, more than eight, eight years of experience. That doesn't count. What, what qualified people do they want in their unit? And my um, annual evaluation performance is clean. So what they are trying to discriminate me, pass me on, exclude me. What what proof do you want me to show you more? I can, I just want to have a fair condition to because this first one two three I was not I was not included in that pool for the position. Okay, yeah, because I complain. I I follow up. I keep following up. Oh yeah, then we'll, we'll, then then we'll put just put that on to interview her, but eventually, yeah, they don't want me. And besides that, they wasted no time to select a person, or oh, next day they said, oh, we want, for me, waited a few days until the first person got, get on board first, October 4th, is Mohammed Bang, who went on the first position. I was excluded, even I, I requested, Last year, in February, I called in, I requested the CSCs to do a review. And the findings show, yeah, it's very unfortunate, but unfortunate that I'm the one suffer from their mistakes, all their mistakes. And David too, please provide proof that you send, send, send it to, my name was erroneous sent to the different unit. because. You have to show proof. I have the proof here. And besides that, the Sunshine Ordinance, they did not provide. I do not know how you hire select people, just circle. There's no notes included. No notes. From, and I have to get three times, for three times to get bits of bits of information. I do not believe it in this age that's all. Everything is via verbal to select something like that. There's no, and I still, to, till today, 
I still believe they have something to hide. Okay. Um, it's not only that, I'm sorry. Go ahead. There were two positions open last year and they make it to Spanish requisite. Yeah, Spanish condition. This in the same overpayment unit, make it to Spanish so I cannot get in. And if it's a change, like what he said, or oh, we'll make it the department seniority, I would never, never be able to get into the, back to the position that I worked for eight years. Mm -hmm. Is this fair to me? I have to suffer from all these people's mistakes, after mistakes. The first person, August 17, is a crucial date. They didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, commissioners, any additional questions or comments? Okay, so are we ready for a, a motion? I'll make a motion. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to move that we adopt the report and uphold the decision of the human resources director and deny the appeal based on the fact that um, this is an EEO appeal. And within the parameters of an EEO case, we do not here have discrimination based on a protected category or retaliation based on a protected category. That is the narrow uh, basis of my uh, motion. I'm not uh, endorsing the uh, activities of the department and um, uh, the hiring process, but we do not sit here as a super hiring entity. Um, and, and so before us is the question is whether there was EEO um, or whether there's a violation of the uh, EEO rules, and I don't think there was. So that's my motion. I'll second that. Okay. So we have uh, a motion and a second to accept the report, uh, thereby denying the appeal. Uh, if you have any public comment on the motion, you may come to the podium. If you're in the room, if you're on the telephone, uh, press star three. Hello, uh, Jesse Stanton, uh, shop steward at SEIU 10 to 1 and employee of the San Francisco Human Services Agency. I'd like to say that this is a, this is a common type of story that we see a lot where there's been a, a procedural error on the part of an HR analyst or an HR director or, or a procedural error of some sort in the HR process and the burden is borne entirely by the worker. Um, <clears throat> I'm, my experience with other city departments, I, I did not have that, uh, that kind of experience, but it's maybe a larger department, maybe my position in the department, I get to hear more people's stories, but it's something I hear quite a bit. Um, I wonder about David too with the miscommunication 
you know, that's, again, this is a real typical kind of thing. Oops, we lost it. It got lost in the mail. If the contention is that it was sent to another hiring unit, I wonder why that hiring unit did not reply back. This is not for us. Please direct it correctly. That doesn't really pass the smell test to me. That doesn't seem like the kind of miscommunication that happens in the city and county of San Francisco in my, in my experience. Um, also, I'd like to say, you know, there's a lot of directors and uh, management personnel who have family members in the Human Services Agency. I would say it's probably more prevalent than in other departments. And I know that uh, I, I don't feel like any of those directors or managers um, would like to see their daughters, their wives, their husbands, uh, their cousins go through this kind of experience where a procedural error results in a major loss of an opportunity. And, um, you know, I just uh, hope that they would all take that in mind where they try to improve their processes, reduce these kinds of errors, and prevent this kind of impact from falling on a worker uh, just due to an error outside the worker's control. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, any additional public comment in the room? Elizabeth, any public comment on the telephone? President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. Uh, commissioners, we will uh, move to the roll call vote on the pending motion to uh, accept the report, thereby denying the appeal of Appellant Thu. Uh, Vice President Favetti? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. Commissioner Crawley? Aye. Commissioner Salveson? And I vote aye. We have unanimously agreed to accept the report, thereby uh, denying the appeal. Uh, thank you. Um, the department, um, DHR, HSA, and appellant Thu, uh, thank you for, for being here, um, and advocating on your behalf, um, and good luck. Thank you. I hope the next time I will not be here because I'm waiting for the next reassignment and I hope that that person, whoever get punished, this should be held accountable. I should not be suffering. I was hoping to get a course, a different course of action I today. I know. And they just retired me for reporting. This is how CSEs work after even a good report. That's my opinion. It's, it's, it's the same. It's, it's this, yeah, cover up for, for DHR, EEO. That I'm very disappointed, but I have to accept the position, the, the decision. But then I hope you, you know, you, you, I don't think you put yourself in my shoes. You know, what happened? What kind of painful experience that was? It's, it's, that's the very, very unfair. And then hopefully that statement fair to hire the qualified people for the city, why? That's, I have no word to say. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. I think we are ready for the last agenda item. Item 19, adjournment, 6.02 p.m. Uh, thank you, thank you.